is the Monty Show, the truth in sports talk streaming. When you want unbiased opinions about your favorite team without the spin, all you have to do is find the Monty Show, streaming live and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on YouTube. And now, here's Monty. Hey, hey, how the heck are you? The Monty Show is live on Monday, June 26th, 2023, 2 o'clock Pacific. 5 o'clock Eastern, a lot to get to today. Before you do anything, make sure you hit the like button. Really helps the channel grow. The Monty Show, as always, is presented by The Advocates, theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. And I love that you never pay a penny to The Advocates unless and until they win your case. That means, hey, no retainers, no consultation fees. In fact, you can chat with an attorney live online right now at theadvocates.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Hope you uh, are doing spectacularly well. A lot to get to today. Obviously, breaking news for uh, the NBA. A big trade. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks have traded John Collins. One hour from right now, we will go full tilt NBA a lot of news out of Los Angeles with the Lakers and LeBron James this situation with Anthony Davis seems to have been turned up a little bit Damian Lillard at this hour is meeting with the Portland Trailblazers as they somehow some way try to find a way to win together which they have not been able to do uh, so we've got to update you on that a lot going on with that football at 50 is just 50 minutes away Got to talk about this Justin Herbert situation in Los Angeles uh, with the team that should be in San Diego, but their crappy owners didn't let that happen. So now they play in Los Angeles and they rent time at somebody else's stadium. <coughs> That's neither here nor there, uh, which is probably why they have not you know, been able to afford to extend Justin Herbert. The sex machine, I don't understand that. They have a purdy problem in San Francisco. Aaron Rodgers is high as a kite, I am certain. <sighs> okay. All of okay. that to say hello, Jake. Hello. 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 Welcome back. There's a civil war in Russia. You know, all that good stuff. Uh, but as usual, you are here for one reason. As the Pac-12 burns, my friends, yes, finally it would appear uh, that we are moving closer and closer to a Pac-12 media rights deal. Um, and by sources we spoke to over the weekend and this morning, it would appear that all 10 members of the Pac-12 have been given uh, a package that is detailing the latest, best television offer that they have. Um, and of course, a media rights deal is large. It is encompassing. It covers a lot of different things. But for certain, the single most important part of the media rights deal is how much of our games are going to be on linear TV versus stream that is the conundrum in the Pac-12. And we are told today that that is, in fact, the conversation. There was a lot of conversation over the weekend about who's in and who's out, uh, about what will it take to keep these current 10 members together. I am told directly by sources in the conference that that is exactly what the conversation is now. What is it going to take to keep the current 10 members in the conference together with the TV deal that they were all presented with? Jake, I don't see it happening. I think it is a very big ask of George Klyovkov 
to keep these 10 current members together. Yeah, and I think it's almost an impossible ask because of what the value of every member is and how different it is. Again, you can't have, you know, Oregon and Washington getting the same revenue as Oregon State and Washington State or hell, even Colorado. I mean, you just can't have that situation taking place in a major P5 conference. So to me, I look at this situation and I just say, yeah, that's great that everyone's got the media rights package and, you know, it might be outlined and they've got their PowerPoints where they can see everything and how it's all going to line out. But ultimately, this is just another step in a line of steps that as we take to get closer to the finish line on this situation. And I really think the only question that is left is how many teams will leave where are you at once yeah. once this like once the decisions are made so so the idea that, the, uh, that all the schools the 10 remaining members as it goes uh have a, a package that outlines what the tv deal would look like should they choose to uh sign a grant of rights basically is like all right here it is take it or leave it type deal it's been a year we've been trying to get this done this is the best we can do very clearly do you want to be here or do you not want to be here? And if you don't want to be here, it's time to get on with it. So that's why I say I, th I really do believe the only question that is left in this situation is just simply, you know, how many do you lose? Do you only lose, let's say, Oregon? Or do you only lose those four schools up there? Oregon, you know, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. Or, or, or what's the dynamic of what you have left? Because once you know what you have left... Now we can get on with getting on with the San Diego States and the SMUs of the two lanes or whoever the hell you're going to try and add to try to keep your P5 status or to try to keep some semblance of a conference together. And that's what I think, that's what the meat of the story is today. Like, hey, they know the deal now. Who's going where? What's going to happen? And that's kind of the bombshell that I think we're all sort of waiting for at this point. Well, I also think when you you talk about these conversations, I, I think it's fascinating that we've told you for months and months and months now, it's simply a matter of how many games a week are going to be on stream. And I think that is really the debate right now because I think wholly half of this league does not believe and does not buy into streaming. Not as a tier one, not as your main distribution point. I just think there's half of this league who doesn't buy that. Um, I think there are three presidents in this league who don't think any of their games uh, should be on stream, which is a real problem because I don't have any doubt in my mind looking uh, you know, and, and reading the tea leaves, if you will, and looking at the rumors that we're hearing and the people we're talking to, streaming is going to play a significant role in the distribution of Pac-12 athletics. And I also think that's an important thing to point out. We're not just talking about football or basketball. Will, if this league exists, will baseball, softball, will gymnastics, will your non-revenue generating sports be on television in one form or another? I think that's a huge question to ask. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any guarantees in that. Truly in the Pac-12, I don't think there are any guarantees that A, you're going to exist because if there ever was the embodiment of an existential crisis, tell me the Pac-12 media rights deal isn't that, um, right? And, and the battle for survival that almost the script has been flipped completely because you look at where the Big 12 has been so many times and you're losing Texas A&M, losing Texas, losing Oklahoma. We could go back to Missouri abandoning the conference. We can, 
I mean, there's just so many times where we've all said, well, there goes the Big 12. Just another one bites the dust, right? And now, yet here we are in Nebraska is toiling away in, in irrelevance in the, in the Big Ten. Does Matt Rule change that? I guess we'll find out, right? You, you look at the health of the Big 12, compare that to the Pac-12, and it's shocking. But I bring that up for the simple point that I don't want people to sit here and write off the Pac-12 because I'm telling you, it's not over. This conference, I don't believe this conference is dying. I truly don't. With all due respect to Paul Feinbaum, I don't believe that this conference is dying. Will it exist in 10 years? Okay, well, I have no idea. Will it exist in two years? Yeah, I do believe. In some form or fashion, I believe that the Pac-12 is going to survive. It. I don't think that you're going to keep all 10 of these members together with, with this current incoming deal. I think you're going to lose a, 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 a good number. Up to half of this conference is going to find a new home a year from now. Because I'd also remind you what happens on Saturday. I don't know how many people have thought about this. The Big 12 expands on Saturday. Um, when you're adding, you know, you're adding UCF, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, that all becomes official on Saturday. Well, and, and that's when, when stuff starts getting real. When you start looking at the fact that, hey, BYU's no longer an independent. Cincinnati's no longer, Houston's no longer, UCF's no longer just some enclave out where they have hurricanes and stuff, right? Like, <laughs> that's not who they are anymore. But you, you, you laugh. Yeah. I think UCF is one of those universities joining a conference where the game's changing for them. The game is absolutely changing for them. And I, I don't know if you are in the Pac-12, how do you, how do you look at UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, BYU to a much lesser extent because of their prominence, but how do you look at Cincinnati and say, dude, how is Cincinnati going to be making more money than any of the 10 schools in this conference? On to Cincinnati. Like, how is that possible? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's a problem. So I, I sit here and I tell you what we heard starting really Saturday afternoon into this morning is that all 10 of these members have gotten a packet that details the latest offer on, on the Pac-12 media rights deal. They have the information. The conversation now is, hey, how can we stay together? What, is, what do we need to do to, to make it work for, and really it's Oregon and Washington, I think. Because I think a lot of people in this conference are, I don't know, is resign the word? I mean, they, they're, they're pretty well living with the fact that I think you're going to lose Colorado. And I, I think Colorado and Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of these schools are just like, yeah, hey, change is coming. I mean, what, to what degree, we're not quite sure. But, you know, I've had this conversation or that conversation, or I happen to know, you know, Bobby Robbins is, you know, 99% out unless. Yeah. Or like, you know, uh, uh, you know, the guys up at Utah, you know, Mark Harlan and Taylor Randall are 100% in unless. You know, you have different situations, and that's what I think makes the Pac-12 seemingly endless media rights conversations so dynamic because it's like, okay, at the conference level, you have a situation, but then at the university level, the, the member institution level, you have, you know, 10 different situations. I mean, truly, you've got 10 different situations based on 10 different philosophies about how something should be done, and that's what I think is so difficult to sort of wrap 
you know, wrap your hands around if you're George Klyavkov and you're people like President Schultz at Washington State trying to convey information to the rest of this conference. Like, hey, you know, Kase at Washington doesn't believe in streaming or doesn't believe in streaming as a tier one, to be specific. Whereas maybe, maybe, you know, uh, Taylor Randall as an example, maybe he believes in it a little more. It's a philosophical conversation that's damn near impossible to have one rubber stamp solution too and that's why i say like i don't think college football's really ever seen anything like this to this scale have we seen schools move around conferences absolutely has realignment always been a conversation for bigger brands who are not happy in their conference absolutely it's why all the acc schools are all pissed off about ucf getting into the big 12 and making more money than they're making like that like that's that's why they're upset about it so that's well, why I say you say you say that not to interrupt you but you say that i've heard that repeatedly that that you look at the like the, the South Florida Bulls, this is going to be very interesting to see where they end up. They just announced an on-campus stadium. Like, it, it, it an absolute game-changer yeah. in a college football expansion. It's a, it's a must. It, it, it is preventing, in my opinion, UConn from, from joining the, the Big Ten or the Big 12. They don't have an on-campus football stadium. Well, you're not a major player if right? you don't. I mean, it, that's just how it works. It's huge, but you say that about UCF. The ACC schools are not amused at how long they are locked into a crippling grant of rights. And that is not lost on, on, on Pac-12 membership. And I think, I think the real risk, if, if we're talking about a crisis of existence yeah. in the Pac-12, if you lose Oregon and or Washington, which I think you're going to lose them both to the Big Ten at some point, when those two are no longer flying the Pac-12 flag, it's over. Because I think those two programs in specific make too much money, bring too much reach, and are too valuable to their their fellow membership on the field. Thanks. Because if if you are if you are Oregon State or the Arizona schools, Utah, like how many times have you fought to get an Oregon ticket at Utah? or at Arizona State, yeah. or at, like Oregon's a big game coming in. Yep. Washington's a big game coming in. One of those teams. Yeah, absolutely. Arizona basketball's a big game coming in. But you can, sus you can sustain a league without Arizona basketball. I don't believe you can sustain a league without Washington and, and Oregon football. Well, what's the truth about Oregon in the Pac-12? Oh, yeah, that's right. They're the only one that has gotten into the college football playoff with any type of regularity. Right? Like, they're the only one that's done really anything. I mean, yeah. I know Utah's won the conference two years in a row, Rose Bowl appearances, and, and that's awesome. And I applaud Utah for doing that. I think it, the, the, if you, you know, dive into the story of how both of those Pac-12 conference championships happened, it's 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 pretty incredible, to be honest with you. But, but when we're talking about conference-level realignment and conferences falling apart and everything, like... The college football playoff has to be a thing for multiple, I would say at least three of your teams for you to be a truly successful conference. Like, look at the ACC. Clemson was, when Trevor Lawrence, and it, it was Clemson and Trevor Lawrence and Dabo. Hey, Clemson was getting there regular, regularly, right? Because they were good enough. But in the Big Ten, look at the Big Ten. Ohio State and Michigan. Penn State shows up once every five years, right? So that conference lives and dies on those two teams why is the sec head and shoulders above anybody and it ain't even close because they've had two teams every single year quite literally they've had half the college football playoff 
every single year up until this point. And the Big 12, when Lincoln was there, put Oklahoma in the mix every once in a while. So that's why I say, when you look at the uh, Pac-12, it's no surprise when you struggle in basketball and you're not making tournament appearances and then you're not in the college football playoff. What are we really even talking but about? That's the, and that's the whole question about Arizona to me. Yeah. Like Arizona basketball, it, it, I mean, it's a brand. But it ain't Lute Olson brand, right? Like this isn't the this isn't the old Arizona basketball powerhouse. But that's what Sean Miller was supposed to be and didn't live and, up to it. And he wasn't. But and Jetfish has done a nice job at Arizona. But is Arizona really a crippling loss to the Pac-12? Eh, I don't think it is. It, it certainly is not what Oregon and Washington would be. I agree. It's with that. certainly not what USC or UCLA has been. It, it's it's just not. And so that's why I say, like, I think you're going to lose Arizona and Colorado, in my opinion. I think you can still have a conference. I think if you lose Oregon and or Washington, it's over. You, you, just, you can't. And, and the, the bigger issue, again, is, okay, so the Big 12, because I think the Big 12 is an exact example of what the Pac-12 is going through. You lost Missouri. You lost Texas A&M. You lost Nebraska. You're losing Texas and Oklahoma, right? But you, you've added a behemoth like BYU, a reach behemoth. Don't give a damn if they win a game. They bring eyeballs to the set. They sell tickets. They bring, you know, like ad dollars, the whole nine. BYU as a business partner is phenomenal, right? Well said. Never mind the million views. Yeah. Never mind the fact that they play big games and they essentially, I think, have never, ever... I could be wrong. There might be one loss to the, the Pac-12 in football ever. Okay, I'll stop. My point is <laughs> they play big games, they make you money, and they bring a bunch of people to the yard. Yep. That's what you're missing now in the Pac-12. Because, again, the question I ask is, who do you go out and get to fill the gap that's going to be left by Arizona and Colorado? Because I, I got news for you. San Diego State and SMU don't do that. With all due respect to SMU, because SMU fans, I know we have a huge following in Dallas and really throughout the, the Metroplex and the, the state of Texas. I, uh, we love you guys. With all due respect. But I'm not here for Rice and SMU. Yeah. I'm here for Tulane. If I'm the, if I'm the Pac-12, I need revenue on, on multiple fronts. Tulane does that in sports, and they certainly do it in academia. Yeah. Tulane's the better fit. And again, I get it. SMU, it's not personal, dude. It, it, it's not personal. My feeling is Tulane is a better fit, but I also think that there are multiple presidents. And, and by the way, one of them I'm told is President Kosse, I, I, at least that's what I've heard, does not want to expand past Texas. Waves in opposition. And again... If Washington's gone, I don't care who you had. Tulane, Rice, SMU, add them all. You're not going to have a conference. Well, and I think there's a bit of a trickle-down effect happening here, too, in college football, just in the big picture. I mean, you look at, you talk about those teams that left the Big 12 for the SEC, right? A&M, Oklahoma, Texas. Like, you have, you know, these, these brands that have gone to the SEC. Okay, well, what's that force the Big 12 to do? Okay, well, that forced the Big 12 to go out and get a fresh commissioner who then came in and basically whipped out a Swiss Army knife and did all this great stuff, which secured you a TV deal and multiple events, which then made you more valuable, which has now made you attractive to other teams well, who and, are having issues. But wait, let's not forget about Bob Bullsby because I think Bob did a, did a 
Good, not a great job. I think he was a, a solid commissioner. But what he did is he laid a foundation. He, he gave Brett Yormark a group of teams that agreed to join the league, right? Mm-hmm. What is what Bowlesby did. Mm-hmm. And I think you're exactly right. I think you have a guy, Brett Yormark, now who's taken that bounty and he's run with it. And I think his vision to build a, a, a basketball business unit, brilliant. You, you look at what they're going to do at Rucker Park, I think it's absolutely forward-thinking, visionary. I think it's brilliant. But Bob Bowlesby deserves some credit for what happened in the Big 12. Everybody wants to forget about him and just ride with, hey, Brett Yormark. Well, Brett Yormark had nothing to do with this incarnation of expansion. That was already done when he showed up. And I think it's, a, I, to your point, I think the thing that he deserves credit for is he took off and ran with it. And I think he has very clearly put the Big 12 on a, on a foundation of revenue generation. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would agree that, you know, Bowlesby deserves a lot of credit, but I, I just think that, you know, again, yeah, we can assign credit properly. I'm, I'm cool with that. I, 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 I didn't mean any shade by it. Basically, what I'm just saying is that the, the Big 12 suffered loss and was forced to make change and, to survive. And I think that change by whoever's hand is forcing the Pac-12 into its position because if the Big 12 was not in as strong of a position as it is today due to guys like that and guys like Brett and like, you know, these different people, the Pac-12 would probably have a better chance of surviving. But again, I think this all comes back to the idea that that the ACC is locked into this position. So they're just out of the conversation altogether. Imagine how much chaos there would be. Just picture this. Imagine how much chaos there would be if brands like UNC and Virginia and Duke and like these these big time ACC nameplates were available for realignment because right now they're not. Maybe that changes, but they're not. So with where we're at now, that's why I think the squeeze is being put on the Pac-12. Obviously, their lack of business acumen has been largely responsible for that position, but I just have to think that if, if you know, the SEC hadn't taken so much from the Big 12, the Big 12 wouldn't be hankering to get so forward as they are now. And I'm just telling you, you join a new conference, it does not mean success. Yeah. It does not mean wins. And, you know, you look at some of the things we've heard about, you know, like Big 10 expansion, you're not going to walk in there at $100 million a year. Mm-hmm. So let's say, let's just look at Oregon and Washington, Stanford and Cal, because I think those four teams will be in the Big Ten. You're probably going to walk in there at a 50% share, which if you're a Big Ten or a, a Pac-12 school is a windfall for you anyway. And then you're going to have to reach certain benchmarks. You're going to, you know, one person described it to me as achievements. Yeah, It's almost like merit badges. Hey, we've been in the league five years. Well, that doesn't mean anything. You're still at $50 million because you haven't gone to a New Year's Six Bowl. You haven't gone to a college football playoff. You win a, you know, from what I understand, you win a college football playoff game in Big Ten expansion anyway. You win a, a college football playoff game, you're immediately at 100% if you're not already, right? So they're talking about, hey, average this much reach. You know, like there's different benchmarks you'll be able to hit in the Big Ten to get yourself more money. That's how it to, should be. To earn your way through. I think somebody like San Diego State, 
And this is the biggest problem that I have. And I know I've said this a thousand times on the show, but I'm going to say it again. I look at San Diego State's president, Adela Della Torre, saying, hey, the pro rata we deserve. <coughs> well, what do you really deserve? What, what is it that, that you really deserve? Mm-hmm. And I, w- I am here to tell you, I don't believe that, that they deserve much because when I look at this letter right here, this, this is the letter that was written by San Diego State to the Mountain West. And you look at the, the, what was put out there, San Diego State tried to say that the letter they wrote was not, in fact, a withdrawal letter. Yet, if, if, this, if this first paragraph isn't a withdrawal, I don't know what is. Because it says, effective June 3rd, 2024, or at an agreed-upon agreed later date, San Diego State intends to withdraw from the Mountain West Conference. Don't lie to me. Well, you just said four days from now you intend to withdraw, and then you denied that you asked for financial help, yet what do you have in the next two points? Requests for financial help. And what did I tell you? And I think those of you who watched this show last week know this. I told you, One of the things that San Diego State was saying in this letter was, hey, we made you a bunch of money on our run to the final, the NCAA final. Why don't you go ahead and keep that, but, you know, kind of give us a rebate on our our withdrawal fee, right? Um, Well, I would point you to discuss exit fee. And the line that says our recent participation in the NCAA Division I basketball championship game, unit revenue from which will continue to come to the Mountain West Conference even after San Diego State's exit, and which our athletic director is prepared to discuss details and with regard to the timing of the payout such that a four-year installment period may be considered. So this letter wasn't made public till today. And if you watch the show last week, we specifically told you that's what they asked for. Yeah, the issue with this whole situation, if you're Adela Del Torre, is that you think because you had one good season and you made one long run in the tournament and you made your conference money, that that then automatically would put you in good faith with, with Commissioner Navarez to a point where she'd give you a four-year installment plan and a lower exit fee. To which I say, you don't understand how exit fees work. You don't understand how pro ratas work. You don't understand that, hey, when you leave the conference, Commissioner Navarez is going to have to renegotiate the TV deal. By the way, are you going to pay the bill for all that lost TV revenue that the conference is going to suffer? No, right? No, you're not. And, And so when I saw this letter... My first thought was, yeah, she doesn't get it. She doesn't know how any of this works. That I am confident in that based on what is said here because if you knew how it worked, you wouldn't be asking for installments. Yeah. You would have never sent this letter. You would have never said, hey, it's our intention, I think is what the specific word, our intention to leave the conference by June 30th or a date to be set later that's mutually agreed upon. This letter is to formally... Notice that San Diego State University intends to resign from the Mountain West Conference effective June 30th, 2024, or at an agreed upon later date. Everything after that line, 
And I mean everything is null and void. It does not matter. You just informed the, the conference, because remember, who saw this when she sent it out? Every single president in the conference saw it, which is in their protocol when you want to leave the and conference. And by the way, what's the very first line of this letter? Dear Mountain West Conference and all members. So what do you mean you didn't, you, you didn't mean to inform the conference you were leaving? It's a remarkable letter. It truly is. And when I, when I first heard the contents of that letter, I was stunned. I almost didn't believe it. And then to see this letter this morning come through our email, I was like, I Bro, can't what are you talking it. about, man? I cannot believe it. It is stunning to me that J.D. Wicker, the athletic director, and Adela Della Torre, the president at San Diego State University, you know what's stunning to me? It's that they operate with this level of fuck you. You owe us more. We don't owe you anything. That's what this letter smacks of. Mm -hmm. And the attitude, the arrogance, the entitlement that they would, they would want a four-year payment plan. A four-year payment plan. A 30-day extension to their notice period. Yeah, you know, we want to do it on our time and we're going to pay you when, when we you know, when it's good for us. When it's convenient. Because we made you a bunch of money in the in the basketball tournament that's going to offset this. Well, no, actually, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't offset anything. Okay, fuck you. Yeah, it, it's, it's just, it's, I have, my opinion on the value of San Diego State has changed completely. And again, I tell you, San Diego State is really important to the Pac-12. I mean, really important, but boy, you better screw them into the ground and let them know, here's your money, take it or leave it. Thanks. Because I do not believe from what I am told that the big 12 is altogether interested in, in San Diego state. Well, and I just, again, I still maintain that, that, uh, again, because of the job Brett Yormark has done. Not even with, you know, the Rucker Parks and, you know, all, all the external events that he set up. Not even any of that. Just if you look at how in line, how in lockstep all the members in his I would conference agree with that. are. Yes. When you have that much, you know, just seamless business ops happening, why would you go and get this, this sort of rabid dog of a business entity? Because yeah. that's kind of... You know, again, not to piss everyone off, but I kind of feel like that with San Diego State. I I kind of feel like, hey, you thought you could you could play both sides of the fence here. The the letter starts with, hey, we intend to leave at June 30th or a later date, mutually agreed upon. And then you thought after you dropped a bombshell like that that you could request all this help. So if I'm Brett Yormark, and I'm BYU and UCF and all the all the traditional members in the Big 12, <laughs> why in the hell am I going to add San Diego State when I can go and get a P5, a proper P5, I might add, in Oregon State? Why would I add San Diego State when I can just stay out of the whole mess, add Gonzaga, and go on my way? Why would you do that? It is a, I, I mean, the only thing that I can, that I can say is it is a shocking misstep. It, it, it just is, it is a shocking misstep. And it's, it's not one you expect from 
an institution the level of San Diego State. By the way, the other the other thing that nobody wants to talk about is again, Miss Delatore, the president at San Diego State. There is actually a real live working pro rata agreement in the Big Twelve, which you don't qualify for. <coughs> you don't qualify for it. You are not a P five member, and I, I I just go backward to. When J.D. Wicker said, we're leaving, and I don't know where we're going. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. <laughs> well, how's it going to be the, the Big 12 when ESPN is not going to pay for you? And um, so you're essentially all in on basketball. But you just built Snapdragon Stadium for football. It, it, it just makes no sense. Well, and I think the other thing with San Diego State, if I was them and I was looking at it from their side of the conversation— even now, even after you've sent this letter and that and you made that misstep and hey, maybe you just maybe you just fumbled that one, if you will. Okay. Well, if I'm looking at if I'm looking at my options here, I'd rather be in the Big Twelve, frankly, and I would be okay not having a pro rata because the Big Twelve TV deal is so lucrative compared to where we were. I, again, <laughs> San Diego State's at four million dollars a year. So so go to the Big Twelve. Get your 10 mil a year, yeah. 12, 15, whatever, you know, whatever that half portion is or, you know, whatever they would agree upon, not, not a full share, and double or even potentially triple your money. Yeah, I, I mean, it's incredible. Uh, all right, let's get your comments here on the Monty Show. And again, I know I say this every day. You guys, we are so thankful you are here. Um, without you, we, we don't have a show. Without you, we couldn't do the things we do. Um, you know, we're, by the way, we will be live on site in Dallas, uh, July 12th and 13th at the Dallas Cowboys golf course. Oh, I mean at big 12 media day, um, both days at <laughs> AT&T stadium, um, looking, we are going to play golf at the Dallas Cowboys golf course where club rentals, club rentals at the Dallas Cowboys golf course are $108. <coughs> Uh, and I'm talking to the lady on the phone today, you know, booking our tea times and stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah, club rentals. Yeah, you don't want to travel your club, your clubs. No, no. $108, but we give you two sleeves of balls and you get a, a premium golf glove. Oh, I mean, that makes it so much better. That makes it so much Thank better. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. May I have another? Thank you. Right? Like $108 to rent clubs. You got to be kidding me. Sounds like I need a buck shot from Bucked Up Energy. Let's go. Hook it up. I tell you every day. You watch me drink one of these every day on the show. Played phenomenal golf. Carded a 78 up at Canyons in Park City yesterday. Did I mention that I had two buck shots yesterday? <sighs> Down the hatch, my friends. I love it. This is Watermelon. Don't take my word for it. Get in the, get in the description of this show below. And let's, uh, let's get you some free samples of Buckshot because it'll change your life. Whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're a busy working dad who's got kids to pick up or you just need a lift. You know, it's, it's 2.30 in the, the West. It is 5.30 in the East. Hey, maybe you just have a long night ahead. Maybe you're in school. Maybe you're working two jobs. Buckshot is the solution. It gives you long-lasting, clean energy. It gives you a mental lift. You feel better. You have more energy. You think better. Hook it up. Get six free 
buckshot sample sent right to your front door in the description below. I would also remind you right here, the buck bar is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I know so many of you who have commented about the, how great they taste. They absolutely taste great. And I, I absolutely love them. I'm telling you, as many of you who watch the show know, I'm working really hard to eat well. Uh, I've lost a bunch of weight and I contribute a lot of the credit to buck, bucked up in buck bars and buckshot because I just feel better. Had a great night of sleep last night again because of bucked up energy, because of bucked up supplements. They work. I want to hook you up, get the free samples. You get a buck, uh, buck bar sampler pack sent right to your front door in the description below. Get the buckshot sent right to your front door for free in the description below. But if you need supplements, if you need whey protein isolate, if you need collagen, peptides, or greens, dude, hook it up. Use the promo code MONTE to get 20% off your purchase uh, at buckedup.com. Uh, let's get your comments. Um, where do we start today? Saul Goodman says, so where are you going to get the money, Christophers? What is Christopher saying? Boy, you guys are, the comment section I can tell you already today is already feisty. Uh It is, it's pretty remarkable. So don't even think about messing with me. You guys are getting after it. Preston was the first one in. C. C Kaufman second. Um, Preston says, what's the odds this deal finally gets announced this week? I don't know that a deal will be announced this week because I think they're going to struggle to get a grant of rights. Yeah. I think that's, I think you will hear schools leaving before you will get a grant of rights. Well, and it feels like to me, and, and this is just me speculating, but I feel like it the loyalty to each other, not necessarily to the Pac-12 itself as a conference, but the loyalty these schools have to each other on a certain level makes me kind of feel like this could be a situation where, hey, okay, we all know what the TV deal is going to be, but we're not going to say anything until the group of 10 knows okay you guys are leaving and we're staying then we'll announce and then everyone can kind of be on their way it kind of feels like maybe you know it could get dragged out a little bit while they try to kind of get their ducks in a row but but i i don't know my biggest concern is all these administrators are going to go on leave and then the and school gets back in session in august like late august and we're still going to be talking about this that's my single biggest concern yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know how you. I don't know how you describe some of this. I don't know how you. I just the word is dysfunction. I don't know how you describe some of these comments or the rumors or the constant comments by presidents yeah. and athletic directors in this league. I, I I really don't know how you describe it, other than dysfunction. Just a rowdy dude from South Carolina. No one in LA cares about San Diego State. That's just not true. Yeah, I totally disagree. Nah, it's not true. Having lived there for more than a decade, San Diego State's incredibly relevant in, in Los Angeles. Um, it is a destination uh, for students. It is a destination for athletes. Is it USC or UCLA? Well, no, of course not. Of course not. But if you think that that no one in LA cares about San Diego State, you're you're uninformed, is what I would say. I, I again, I've I love San Diego State. I've when I lived there, I had relatives who 
chose to go there. Like we had friends, neighbors who went there. Like it is a, it is a real, a real thing there. And I mean, you look at, at some of the best football players that have come out of there, the Marshall Falks, the Kirk Morrison's, the, I mean, you, you have real talent that, that comes out of there right now. I think it's just being mismanaged. Um, the PAC 12 has forever lost Los Angeles market to the big 10 who basically, uh, prison them in the showers. Okay, well, that feels aggressive. Right. I mean, this isn't, you know, this that feels aggressive. That does feel aggressive. Uh, Christopher Shannon, because Southern California market, bro. Do you guys, do you guys buy into that? Do you guys believe that Southern California is, is vital to the Pac-12 survival? Yeah. I, I have no doubt. I mean, I just don't know how it couldn't be. It's the biggest state in your territory. Uh, I, I, I think that... You know, Southern California is a gold mine of ad dollars. Uh, I, I think when you start getting in the weeds on the philosophy of marketing agencies that represent brands like Toyota or some of the, you know, the bigger beer brands, let's say, or, you know, whoever you want to point to, you know, th those marketing agencies are, are not loyal to anyone but the client. All they're trying to do is place the ad dollars that the client has in a position to make the client more money so then they continue to get paid i, I mean it's very simple so the idea that 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 not losing southern california is just not a big deal I mean, is asinine I, I just don't know how you come to that conclusion um and and i really believe that th to the people because i've seen the narrative around on twitter and like these different places online where people are like oh but they still have you know, they still have got Seattle and San Francisco and major markets. But it's like, yeah, that's cool, dude. But those markets all aren't all of a sudden going to pop off and double but, their production. But what is San Francisco really? Super expensive. Yeah. And you are seeing an exodus of humanity in San Francisco. And I, I, I think this truly matters. When you look at the Bay Area, the Bay Area has never been less about San Francisco than it is right now. Yeah. And I think you look at even the Pac-12 has left San Francisco. The Pac-12 has moved to the East Bay, uh, San Ramon, California. San Francisco is, and I'm trying not to be too over the top, but I don't even think I'm exaggerating, <clears throat> to say that San Francisco is one of the epicenters of commercial real estate implosion in this country. The, the crisis of office space in this country, when you, when you have the, the economic heartbeat of San Francisco leaving the city, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And I think that's an excellent point by you that you're looking at Los Angeles. You don't have that. You don't have that territory. You don't have San Francisco. Yeah, you have the Bay Area. But how long will you have Stanford and Cal? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're looking at economic areas in the Pac-12 where you are really struggling and you have a population that is migrating to other places. And that's, that's, that's fucking real, dude. Like, you look at where Cal is. Cal is in Berkeley, right on the other side of the, the, of the Bay Bridge. Right at the foot of the Bay Bridge is Berkeley. And you look at Stanford. Stanford is, is, is essentially... I look at, at Seattle and you look at all the office space there, like they have real economic issues in the footprint of this conference. 
So you talk about the need for Southern California. I absolutely think San Diego State is a need for the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But it's not at all a need for for the the Big 12. The conservatives, the politics, the religion, the I mean the the belief systems that exist in the Big 12 footprint, San Diego State does not fit into that. Yeah. They they do not. And by the way, your heartbeat is not in Southern California. Your heartbeat in the Big 12, if you think about who really carries the mail in the Big 12, because you're losing Texas and Oklahoma, but isn't that why Houston was such a pivotal pickup for the Big 12? Yeah. Isn't that why Tech now is such a pivotal part of the Big 12? Isn't that why the ascension of Sonny Dykes' TCU is such a big deal for the Big 12? Because the heartbeat of that league, in my opinion, lives in Texas. And with all due respect to what Kansas and K-State are doing, with all due respect, you're going to live and die with what's in, in the state of Texas. Absolutely. I think it is. And I know that a lot of Big 12 people are like, wow, we still got Stillwater. Well, I'm telling you right now, all the hats and all the cattle are in Texas. Yep. Whether you And you just need to embrace that. Well, and I think that's why I look at, you know, again, I, I, I look at possibilities for expansion for the Big 12 out of the pack, and I just think there's a lot of value there, man. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, yeah, Texas is the heartbeat of, of Big 12 country, uh, but I think you can lessen that impact by adding the Colorados and the Arizonas. And if Utah, you know, in my opinion, got their, got their stuff together, Utah as well, you know? And, and I think that's why, as a conference, you always want to be thinking about how can we expand? How can we get more geographical control? Because the more control you have, the more flexibility you have with TV partners. Because, again... Like for the Big Ten as an example, Big Ten just picked up the West Coast, the Pacific Time Zone. That's right. And so they now have the ability in a meeting with, you know, NBC or CBS or who the hell ever to say, oh, yeah, you know, you guys aren't, 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 you know, real thrilled with that, with that noon kickoff Midwest time. Oh, that's no problem. Cause what we'll do is we'll roll out a, a, a Big Ten after dark Pacific Time Zone game and that'll fill your need. So if you think that losing Southern California in the pack is is not a problem or somehow not a big deal, dude. And if you think that that office space situation is not a problem, go look at the the office space crisis happening, man. The idea that you're that the work from home shift that happened during the pandemic absolutely is changing the San Francisco market. There's no question about it. In many markets across the country. So the idea that you've lost Southern California, the idea that you may lose the Stanford and the Cows and, you know, Northern California, if you will, and you're going to lose Seattle, like, dude, that's a problem, bro. That is a big problem. I would be, I'm not, panic might be a little strong, but I would be extremely concerned about that and if you're not then I, as a pac-12 fan i just don't know what you're looking at with this situation yeah i think you're exactly right i mean i i just it, it's it, it is and again i don't want to make i don't want to use all these big words like oh that's terrifying and the economy matters in college athletics this is a code I, 10 I, abort 
this NIL argument and trying to regulate NIL and I think you're driving talent away from college basketball left and right by regulating NIL because I, I, I truly believe that NIL had the ability to save college basketball and to, to kind of pull out, you know, some of the dilution that had taken place talent-wise in college basketball. You, you regulate NIL and it's just going to be a bunch of dudes who are like, yeah, old, rich, white guys trying to take my money. If it's me you want to talk to, perhaps we can arrange a meet. You know, let's go to the NBA and have billionaire white guys instead of millionaire white guys take our money. Yeah. Right? Like, Because that, that's really where but college that's, basketball that's, is going. that's what college athletics is. Yes. Dude, that's exactly that, right. Bro, if you think that's what basketball is, what do you think football is? Yeah. Like, it's that, crazy. That's why I'm really excited to get to, to Big 12 Media Days. Like, I, I mean, we're two weeks away from that right now. Uh, we'll be live in Dallas at AT&T Stadium for – Big 12 Media Day, uh, July 12th and 13th, thanks to our friends at bladehq.com. Um, I, I just cannot say enough about the importance of this, this Big 12 Football Media Days. I think it is hugely important. And I, man, the questions, the discussions, um, you know, the, the directions... Like Mike Gundy, I think is one of the most fascinating figures in this league because uh -huh. they this league needs Mike Gundy to win. I'm a man. This league, this league needs Oklahoma State to be a powerhouse, an absolute linchpin in the middle of this of this conference. Yeah, and there are some real doubts about that. And if TCU truly does fall back a little bit, Sonny Dykes. For those of you who don't know, Sonny Dykes. He's just a special human being. And I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. And, and, and yeah, he's absolutely a great football coach. There's no doubt about that. Sonny Dykes is one of the best dudes. Just one of the best dudes. Like you have some really important football people in, in, in this league and they're all going to be in one space. We'll be there live. Uh, thanks to our friends at bladehq.com. Uh, the best knives, the best outdoor gear. Uh, I'm telling you, they, they, they give you free shipping, like go get it bladehq.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty show. Um, because they really, from their, their sale items to their new arrivals, any kind of blade, uh, any kind of, they have the coolest carabiners. I'm a huge carabiner fan. Carabiner. Um, you know, but they have pocket tools and knives and, keychains and long blades and short blades and CRKT knives, you name it, they've got them. BladeHQ.com, uh, our presenting sponsor on uh, Big 12 Football Media Days, uh, which we will be live at, and I'm super excited. And if anybody, if any of our Dallas contingent or our Texas contingent, really hell if anybody, has played the Dallas Cowboys golf course, Get in the comment section because we are absolutely going. Yes. And we're absolutely going to play them. So I'm excited about that. Brass Balls, what's up, my guy? You're seeing the difference between a president and AD of a G5 school and those of P5 schools like Utah's. Best. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yep. And Mark Harlan being on executives throughout the NCAA, like being on the executive baseball committee. Uh, you know, you look at Taylor Randall. And I think it's still a story that we've exclusively told you about here on the Monty Show. Taylor Randall has worked diligently behind the scenes of this TV deal to keep the league together. Hey, guys. To communicate, 
to say, hey, calm the waters. Let's talk less. Let's let George do his job. Like Utah is led by example in this league. They really have. OG uh, Gary, so all in on Apple. I, that's not the feeling I get. Oddly though, oddly, there is not, and I think this is the first time that I can say this about the Pac-12. It's not like a sieve of information. It's not like there's a, because usually people in this league can't wait to spill their guts. Like, oh, I cannot tell you how many administrators in the Pac-12 have bitched and moaned to us about Apple TV. what I just say? And how scared they are about Apple TV. And if I hear one more Pac-12 source talk about MLS and how dreadful the MLS Apple TV partnership has been. Because it's garbage. Yet right now, talking to those same people, they're awfully tight-lipped about what their TV deal is. Uh-huh. And I can tell you, I was, I was told point blank, it's nowhere near $30 million. All I've heard for the last three days is $30 million, $30 million, $30 million. Like, and there's this idea that somehow it's super creative. I don't know, somebody was Innovative. tweeting about it. Yeah. I can tell you there's not a whole lot of creativity to it. I, I don't know who came up with that word, but I, I, I am not ready to tell you what we know or think in what we've heard, but it's a pretty straightforward deal. And I don't, I don't gather, in my opinion, I don't gather it's near $30 million. Uh-huh. I do not. Because one of the first things I heard today was Colorado's out. Colorado is, has been out. They have not changed their position at all. And I want to make sure very clearly, I was, I was told Colorado has not changed their position at all. So we'll see. I don't, I, the, to me, the, the, the creativity thing, anytime you hear stuff like that, with all due respect, I know people are trying to do a job. And anytime you hear somebody saying, well, you know, it's, uh, our TV deal is going to be really creative. All you're doing is, is, honest to God, all you're doing is polishing a turd. That's, you're just trying to get the flakes off of it and shoo the flies away. Yeah. What do you mean? Explain to me what you mean creative. Um, Explain to me what you mean innovative. Um, like, what TV deal would you say, man, that's really innovative? Because I can't think of one. Because... In the TV business, again, with all due respect, you're not reinventing the wheel, man. Yeah. You're not. You're going to be, my opinion remains, it's going to be about $20 million. After the envelope calculations. You're going to be on stream and you're going to have a couple of linear games. A couple of ABC, ESPN. And again, I was told USA Network from NBC is absolutely in play. That USA Network is absolutely in play. Yeah. It's my phone rings off the hook. Yeah. But we'll see. I, I think, I, I, I just think that, that it's awfully strange now that we are supposedly at the finish line. Uh-huh. Finally. That now details are becoming sparse. And it tells me we really are at the finish line. It tells me a lot of people's questions have been answered. It tells me that Unfortunately, I don't hear a lot of Pac-12 administrators gushing about the upcoming TV deal. 
That's out of the window. And I understand that this has been arduous and difficult and it has been a painful, at places like Washington State, this has been a painful struggle. And I, I, that's why I hope it's $30 million. Yeah, well. I really I, I do. I just don't see the roadmap to it. I don't see the path. But I really hope it's $30 million because that keeps this league together. They're all going to make more money. It's going to be a much, a much healthier league at $30 million. Right. But I don't know how you get there. And we've tried and we've asked, and I, I, I honestly don't know how you get there. I really, I, I really, I really don't know how you get there. Uh, Salty Drunk says, Monty, is there any way we can get more Pac-12 content? I can try. I can try. Mark Rucker, creative equals two in the bush. <laughs> okay. That's a, one in the hand. <laughs> you, you, no, that, don't. Stop. Don't start with the fart stuff. Uh, Archer, quick. Do the schools get stock options? Maybe. Yeah, but they're not vested yet, so who cares? Yeah, and they're never going to vest. Just sign the grant of rights. No, no, no. Right? Jim Choi, uh, innovative and creative equal loser deal best spin they could come out with, apparently. (laughs) Because it's garbage. You know. Truck Stop Gumby says rip Wazoo Athletics. You ain't even kidding with that, bro. They're close. I know that they are... Insolvent's an awfully strong word. They're on the brink of insolvency at Washington State. Yeah. Athletically. And I think the academics don't want to keep funding. The Nick Rolovich situation, I think, I think was the beginning of the end of that athletic department. The coronavirus. And we'll see how long Kurt Schultz survives. But yeah. I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you fix it. Again, in the Big 12, it's, hey, Oklahoma State, we need you to win more games. Sonny, can you keep winning games? Hey, Houston, BYU, if you guys could step up and make a bowl game this year. Like all the things you can control, that's what you're trying to turn the knobs on. Yeah. At Washington State, you don't control your fate. You don't. You have no control over the yeses and the noes. Because if you don't get a good TV deal, there's a chance you're going to cut a lot of non-revenue generating sports. That's not what we're about. Yeah, your pickleball teams, mm, we can't afford rackets. Ah, uh, we got rackets for free. Yeah, we can't afford balls either. It vexes me. It's just where that's where you're at, dude. Terribly vexed. Uh, let's see. Uh, Saul Goodman says turkey legs. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jeremiah Champion, a new member. Let's go, baby. Love it. Nate Simons, a new member. Let's go, baby. Let's go. I love it. Good Strong to see you guys. Strong start to the program this week. Appreciate you guys joining the membership. Let's go. Um, truck stop coming. No more Wazoo Cornhole. Yeah. Look, you guys have represented uh, my Wazoo well. Uh, my Wazoo. But we, we just, you know, here in Coog Nation, we can't afford beanbags. You want to explain that? I had to buy new pickleballs. And so between the balls and the bags, we went with the balls. Um, it, it, that's just kind of how it shook out. If you felt these balls. So we're going to need you to pack your shit and get out. Okay. Got to pay for the roll. No. Got to pay for the roll of it. All right. We'll see you guys. Thank you. Nick Rollacock. All right. Rollacock coming in, <laughs> you know, uh, Kyle, a new man. Hey, let's go. Let's go Kyle. Appreciate you. Thank you very much for becoming a member of the program. Make sure you hit the join button. Uh, helps the show a lot. 
Um, Riley O'Brien said, dude, you've got to explain this at some point. You keep saying way, by the way. Yeah, learn how to spell, bro. I love you. But I you don't gotta, understand this. Like you got to learn how to spell, dude. I'm guessing this is a joke of some kind, and I have no idea what it means or what it's a reference to. Are you trying to like? Is that like a whey, like whey protein? W h e y. I don't. I don't. What get you it. bitch? I I don't get it. Do uh, you even live? <laughs> Teddy Wayman, the Tile King of Utah, gives us five dollars. Say, sup guys? Got uh, gotta love Trader Danny. You do, uh, and in 60 seconds, we'll talk about that. Maury Alvarez, our favorite Floridian. What about the Wazoo Wiffleball team? They are the bomb. Wow, look, guys. Do you view this season as a failure? You know, I understand that you, your pitcher, Calvin, your pitching's been fantastic, but you know, a vital part to being a successful Wiffleball team is the, the duct tape you put on the bats. And <laughs> I, we can't, it's not in the budget. We have got to buy new protractors for the English department. Stop crying like a little girl. And, you know, I, I you know. What do you want me to say to them? Rollercock won't put a mask on, so somebody had to sue somebody. Hiscock. And you guys, you know. I, I know your role and shut your mouth. I mean, I've never been to a game because, frankly, nobody cares about you guys on this campus, but. Oh. It's been a nice run. Now get the fuck out, okay? Like, I'm done with you. <laughs> but, 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 uh, Kirk Schultz, President Schultz, I'll donate the. Mommy, mommy. The duct tape. No, nobody wants you here, guys. No, nobody wants you here. Okay. Goodbye. I mean, that's where, like, what else? What other club can get cut? The chess club. <sighs> guys. Um, guys, 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 guys. Boys at Walla Walla State Prison who were making your chess sets, they got they got paroled. So I don't I have nowhere to go with that. Uh Renee Roca says, yeah, same comments over here. Uh U of U sucks McCluskey. Sucks McCluskey. Mayor McCluskey says, Yeah, Riley, you're way out of line. Get it like <laughs> way, way like W A Y, way out of way out of line. Um, truck stop Gumby says Riley O'Brien's the way. See, like, there's the way. The way. W-W-E-T-Y. Right, right. right the way. Um, you know, which is, and oddly, it's, it's funny you say that because isn't, isn't Papa Murphy's calzones, aren't, aren't they the, the, the way? At Papa Murphy's, we do more than just pizza. We do calzones. Papa Murphy's does calzones? Oh, I think you mean I do the calzones. And how do you do it, Dad? How do I do it? How do I do it? Oh. Well, we do it with fresh ingredients and hand-shredded cheese tucked in a scratch-made dough. That's how, honey. At Papa Murphy's, we make great pizza. Hey, don't forget the calzones. Order now at papamurphys.com. In 20 seconds, one of the most gangster, cold-blooded comments ever ever laid bare on this show will be read. After I tell you to download the Papa Murphy's mobile app, it's the best way to order Papa Murphy's pizza. Use the promo code MONTY25 to order your calzones and your marinara meatballs, which you put on top of the calzones. Now, you, now you're cooking with gas. You know what I'm Where's saying? Where's the Italian? Or electricity, or really if Safety, you're in a pellet, convection. you know, smoker thing. 
It's fine. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more. Okay. Are you guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. What do we got? W. Jason Spangler says, Wazoo about to get a lot of press with the upcoming murder trial. Yes! So, <laughs> near the a Wazoo, a Washington <laughs> State student who I believe was studying criminology at one point. Oh. You know what I'm talking about. The Idaho murders uh-huh. where those yes. they four people were murdered in a house. Yeah. Yeah. Not the brightest criminologist, considering he left a she- a knife knife sheath underneath. It is what it is. One of the dead bodies, but right. yeah, uh, Spangler, that's not very nice of you at all. I mean, yeah, it's very I mean, true. Is that, is that worse than the than the you know game controller sub jokes last week <sighs> or the game controller? Oh my God. Um, J- is it J J A E M S Jaims? Jaim says, hold on now. Just wait a minute. So see what he did there? It's, see it's, what it's, W-H-E-Y, like W-A, whey protein. Wait a minute. Wait, <laughs> wait, right. wait a minute. Ken Williams, what's up, Ken? As the suck 12 turns. Hey, you know, that's, you know. By the way, Ken. Kenneth. I think you owe me an apology. Ken Williams, who actually is a cattle rancher, or was, now he's retired because he's a billionaire right um you owe me an apology on the russell westbrook trade ken williams lost his ever-loving mind but no one's going to disrespect me lost his mind on me i'm not afraid to die (laughs) i mean was like Uh, you're like sent me pms like being like dude you don't know what you're talking about I try to support this show, and I'm sick and tired of the Lakers winning everything. Deckass. <laughs> you know when you read somebody's DM, and it's violent and angry? Right. And you could just hear them in their words. Winning everything. Ain't ducking, no smoke. Right? Like, that's the DM Ken Williams sent me. Like, how can you support that team? Well, I'm not a Laker fan, Ken. I'm a bull. Shut your mouth! You're a Laker fan. I hate the you. The dynasty is not over. How dare you? Ken lost his ever-loving mind. Kiss my butt. Because I said, I said, hey, the Westbrook trade was brilliant for the Utah Jazz. Uh... Not being a Utah Jazz fan, just as an outside perspective. I root for the shittiest team in the NBA, the Chicago Bulls. But I said for the Utah Jazz, this is a great trade. Tons of cap space. You're good. No, you're not. Okay, fuck you. Don't you talk about my team. I just lost his shit. Yeah. And then today, the Utah Jazz took that Russell Westbrook trade. And they turned it into John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks. All that cap space. From those godforsaken Lakers. (laughs) (laughs) All that cap space. My word. All of it is now being used 
for John Collins. Bet you weren't expecting this one. I need to fix now, my headphones. I, I don't know. I should probably drink some water, hey, too. I... <laughs> now, <laughs> now, was I the only one who wasn't surprised that the Jazz got John Collins well, today? I, I, I mean, I, I would... I had never heard that the Jazz, I mean, I don't know anybody like who may have said the Jazz were the, I, I, you know, like nobody would ever say anything stupid like the Jazz are the front runners for John Collins. The Monty Show. Some NBA sources who were telling me that the Jazz are considered the front runner for John Collins right now, but... But there are several issues around John Collins. Now, for obvious reasons, the Jazz want John Collins. His ability to shoot the three, his ability to play in the paint, his ability to rebound is very nice. The issue is he could be owed upwards of $90 million between this year and the next two years, plus a third-year option going forward on that contract the Atlanta Hawks gave him. The other issue is he's a defensive liability, which is a huge problem in this league. Yes, he does a lot of nice things offensively, but as a, a defender, he is a guy that struggles to guard the perimeter, and he's a guy that struggles to to guard, frankly, other guys in the post with their back to the basket. John Collins is a defensive liability. That's a huge problem based on the fact that he's making $25 million a year in a deal that is likely to be this year and then three more because I can't see him opting out of his deal at that point. Maybe he does, I don't know. But what are you willing to give up John Collins? Now, there's some things you really like about John. Obviously, his will willingness and want to, to uh, rebound is great. His ability to shoot the three is at a very high level. But he's lost in that Atlanta offense. But is John Collins an upgrade to Kelly Olynyk? Is John Collins, and this is a... Because Kelly Olynyk's the guy that will lose minutes here if, if a John Collins trade is made. Is John Collins the guy you're comfortable playing next to Jared Vanderbilt? That's a big question because John's struggles defensively are the polar opposite of Jared Vanderbilt's struggles. But offensively, they're completely different players as well in that John Collins can make a, a, a high percentage of three for his size. He's a guy that you would be attracted to, I think, if you're Danny Ainge. But how much of that deal are you willing to pick up? I mean, I, I don't, I, I like I said, no. What, is it, what does it feel like? <clears throat> So, Monty, hey, Monty. Hey, Monty. What does it feel like to have, trust me, bro, come through for once? Because I know a squirrel finds a nut once in a while, right? Stay but hard. for you, Stay you know, it's been pretty regular. I mean, almost once a month at this point, there's something that comes out. And I just wanted to know, I mean, what's that like for you? Because, you know, I just, you know, it's pretty incredible. The Utah Jazz acquired John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks in exchange for Rudy Gay and a future second round pick. And I say with the with the selection of Taylor Hendricks on Thursday, who can defend, because I really don't even care offensively at this moment, because you've got that. Taylor Hendricks can defend the two, three, four, and five. And legit, I think three, four, five. Yeah. He can switch on to twos. <laughs> This is a no-brainer. You're going to start Kessler at the five, Collins at the four, Larry Markinen at the three, and I think you are going to have a really nice rotation, 20-minute-a-night guy in Taylor Hendricks, 
right out of the gate because he easily makes threes for the Jazz. Jake, I don't know what you don't like about this deal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's exactly what you know, you would have wanted value-wise if you are the Utah Jazz. And I think that Danny Ainge, once again, is showing that he's an expert in waiting people out, sweating people out, like like not overpaying for something at all. I mean, again, John Collins was somebody who was commanding multiple draft picks and, and commanding a player to go with that. And, like, you gave up a guy that you didn't like in Rudy Gay in a second-round pick? That's it? Like, wait, are is that the actual trade? It's wild. It is insane to me that Danny Ainge woke up today and said, yeah, you know, man, you know, boy, Monday, June 26th feels like a good day to go out and Ainge some more people. It's incredible, well, bro. But I, I think that's, that's the part that you have to talk about here is that this deal works on many levels. One, the Atlanta Hawks... I think it's really important to understand their piece in this deal. They had held John Collins at an exorbitant price tag. One that at the deadline you couldn't make. They were asking for multiple first-round picks and a player. Ridiculous. Last December, we were hearing, as obviously, as we told you on December 1st, the Jazz are the leaders for John Collins. John's from Utah originally. I mean, like, it's a perfect fit. Power forward's a huge hole on this roster. It's everything that you like. Danny wasn't going to pay that price. As the summer went on, Danny refused to pay that price. But now things change because what else did you get in the last year? Well, you got a new collective bargaining agreement and luxury tax aprons that are layered and the the Hawks need to get under that luxury tax apron because they're not winning. They've got to re-sign guys. They've got three key players uh, including DeJounte Murray that's up for an extension. You got to make a decision on Trey Young. Like you need financial flexibility. What does that do? Pushes the price tag on John Collins down because they needed to move that contract. Right. It was a bad deal when he signed it. I think all of us knew that. The Jazz win and win big, but the Hawks didn't lose here. You gave up John Collins, but you got a world of financial freedom. You're under the luxury tax apron. I think this is one of those rare situations, Jake, where it's a win-win for both teams. And I, I, I think John Collins is a great fit in Utah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think he's the guy that they've been looking for for a minute. I, I think, you know, Danny uh, and, you know, again, Justin Zanuck shouldn't be left out of this, obviously. But but I think those two have, have a pretty good understanding of what they want to do here. And I think that's why you saw the patience level because – in the draft, that is, because I, I, I think it would have been easy to, as I said on draft night la- last week, that it would have been easy to just go ham in the draft and just like overpay and like just burn up these assets pretty quick. But what you come to understand, and I really think it kind of kicked in when Asur Thompson was drafted at fifth overall, I think yes. it was. Yep, fourth to, and fifth. To the Pistons, I believe it was, and the Rockets, if I if memory serves. Um when the Twins were drafted, I think for Danny Ainge and the Jazz, you start to understand, okay, Whitmore's falling. We're going to have Hendricks here. Like, we're good. We are good. And at that point, you had no need to to, to burn assets. So then at that point, the focus shifts. Okay, we're going to draft, you know, Hendricks, George, and Sensabaugh, and we're going to go out, and we're going to get John Collins. 
Well, and I, I think when you look at the needs that were addressed, and this is why I, I also think you look at Keontae George and everybody wants to look past that pick. I am telling you, he may not be ready to be your franchise point guard. He will contribute. And I, I think that's the thing that that stands out most to me, at least about this Utah Jazz team, is you drafted two guys and now traded for another who are ready to contribute at their own level. I think you look at John Collins, his defense has got to improve. Period, point blank, he is not a good defender away from the basket. You have got to grow his defensive ability. You look at Taylor Hendricks, he is ready to, to compete right now at the NBA level defensively. He is fantastic in, in pick and roll and switches, and he shoots the three at an easy, comfortable, high level. He's a guy that you can play 20 minutes. Let's see where Keontae George is. Let's see where he fits and exactly how many minutes he's able to earn. I think summer league for those guys is going to be incredibly important. I, I don't, I mean, there's guys around this league that have got to show out in summer league, the least of which, by the way, is Victor Wambanyama, but also don't forget about Chet Holmgren, Thanks. who I would, ex I would expect Chet Holmgren to really push Victor Wambanyama for the rookie of the year this year. I'm expecting that much out of Chet Holmgren in Oklahoma City. But I also think you you look at a guy like a Taylor Hendricks, you would expect Taylor to play really well in Vegas and in Salt Lake City summer uh, because he was a man amongst boys. You go and watch some of his defensive tape on YouTube, it is impressive his ability to block shots. It is impressive his ability to rim protect. It is impressive his ability to move his feet and flip his hips in pick and rolls. And you add John Collins now, and when John Collins gets into a Terrence Mann matchup, think about that. Go back to Rudy Gobert with the Jazz. Go back to Rudy. Go back to Rudy against the Dallas Mavericks. If Taylor Hendricks is on that team, Rudy Gobert is not a liability because he wouldn't have been in the game. Right. Because you'd have been playing Taylor Hendricks in those odd matchups against the Clippers and the Mavs. Yeah. And it, it, unfortunately, you can't go back and rewrite history. But you can see that Danny Ainge has set this roster up now to be bigger and better and stronger defensively. Now he's got to go fill the skill positions, the guards. I think he needs depth. It, obviously, at the point guard position, you probably need three more, I think, including a, a starter. But I also think you need three wings on this team. You are still short, in my opinion. You need a big growth spurt from Ochai Abaji. No doubt about that. A big growth spurt. But I think you also need to add more talent at the two and three. That's where your needs are. And I would not be married to any of these cap holds that Jazz currently have, the Talon Horton Tuckers, or yeah. let them walk away, dude. I would absolutely let them walk away because I don't think that you need those guys to contribute at a high level for you to be successful. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think that's this is the genius of Danny Ainge built teams. I mean, he understands how to balance the draft and going out and making trades or, you know, basically I, I, the way I like to say it is he understands how to leverage a draft plus other transactions, whether that be the buyout market, free agency, yeah. trades, whatever the case may be. He understands how to leverage that. And I think, you know, you you begin to understand, like I look at the Nas Reed thing in Minnesota, and, and am I the only one looking at that? If I'm Danny Ainge saying, hey, there might be some opportunity there. I mean, yet again, they've extended another big. At some point, money runs out. At some point, maybe they have someone we're interested in. Like, I'm telling you, there are opportunities around this league. 
Anybody who thinks that there is not opportunity in New Orleans with the Zion Williamson situation, oh, not that the, I'm not saying the Jazz should go get Zion, but I'm saying as a byproduct of Zion's, you know, injury history and off the court stuff right now, there could be some opportunity on that roster to go out and have a guy, go out and get a guy, you know? So that's what I'm saying. There's opportunity around the league, and I would not at all expect the Jazz to be done working this roster and massaging this roster because the fact is mm -mm. you have to be a mid-table playoff team this year if you're going to stay on track with the build. Yep, let's get some of your comments. John Bolster gives us $5 to say, what do you think about uh, Keontae George in the draft? Well, as I said, I think he gives you some unknown depth. I'm a huge believer in the guy. I am. I'm a huge believer. I'm somebody that thinks that he can contribute rotational minutes. Is he a number one right now? He's not. He's not a number one, but he's a guy who's shown you he's got a high level of compete. I like his body, but we've got to figure out how how much upside exactly is there. Well, I think you know if you're if you're a stats guy, you're just looking at numbers, which I'm not a huge stats guy. But if we're just looking at stats, I mean, what you like is again at the college level, he's giving you 15 points a game. You know, the shooting percentages are solid. You know, for where he's at in his development. You know, 37% from the field isn't great, but I like the 33% from three. That tells me he's he's comfortable enough from three to develop into 36 or 37%. Probably never going to be like a 39, 40% guy, but 37% from three in the league is respectable and you can work with that. The one that troubles me the most though, and this is what tells me his mechanics are struggling is the free throw percentage. Only being a 79% free throw shooter for a guard-ish player is not acceptable. That's not going to be good the enough. The thing that worries you about Keontae George is shot selection. And I, I just want to see better decision-making. He is, I think, I, I worry a little bit about the body athletically, but scores tend to come in all shapes and sizes. He's a bucket getter. But his shot selection is a little... I want to see good efficiency. If he becomes an efficient player, now you're in trouble with this guy because he is going to beat you in a bunch of different ways. But I love the fact that he is quicker and stronger than the guys that he competed against. Um, I love the fact that he has no fear. He can get to the rim. He can pull up. But sometimes he becomes a, a, a shooting volume guy, and I, I don't always love that about him. I don't. Velocity gives us $10. What do you guys think of the Bryce Sensiball do you think Bryce Sensabaugh will be on the roster next season? I don't know. Offensively, I'm not worried about him at all. I just don't know that he's capable defensively in the NBA, period. That's, that is as plain as I can put it. And my guess is he's going to have to compete at the G League level right. to, to improve defensively. Because if you're a mid-table, if you're a 6-7-8 team, um, you know, like it is... It is, it's a little scary. You know, like he has a great body. Um, he is a weapon offensively. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a number on his stat sheet you don't like. Right. Um, you know, he's 16 points, five and a half boards, 83% um, free throw shooter. Offensively, the guy can absolutely buck, get buckets. Yeah. Defensively, he is not shown in the, this is the thing that bothers me. Sensiball has not shown a lot of want to defensively. He has trouble staying what they call connected to his assignments. That worries you a little bit, especially yeah. in Utah where the Utah Jazz have suffered 
under can't stay connected to their assignments. Yeah, you know, I think the thing, the silver lining in Sensabaugh's struggles defensively, I think, is that if you could ever find a way to just make him a mediocre defender, now, I, I, he doesn't even have to be elite. Just be passable. Be, be good enough where it's not an issue every time you play and then contribute offensively. Because the guy can absolutely get the job done offensively. I got a great post game. Back to the basket all day, one foot fade away, you know, turn over your right shoulder, turn over your, like, he can do all that. That's not a problem. He's 235 pounds at 6'6". I mean, the guy can bang with you. So that's why I'm saying, like, if you could just develop this kid in the next two seasons into a passable defender, you know, someone who can just take the weakest guy on the other team and not worry about it, he's fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, salty drunk. Uh, says John Collins is nothing special. Well, I mean, I, I think John Collins, anybody that can be a 15 to 17 points, 10 to 12 rebound guy, that guy can play on my team. Anybody that can shoot the three at a 38% clip at the power forward spot can be on my team. In this league, I make, don't call what you want. That's really solid. He had a terrible year last year. Daz did the Atlanta Hawks. Wound up firing your coach, hiring Quinn Snyder, completely having to change the build of that team to play Quinn Snyder basketball. I don't care how you want to describe it. John Collins can play on my team. Yeah. Because he's somebody that plays in volume and he's somebody who absolutely wants to get better. I mean, look at what he's done in the Celtics series that they end up losing. Again, game six. 29 minutes, 16 points, 6 of 8, and 3 of 4 with 4 rebounds. Right? Yeah, dude. I mean, look at, look at, just listen to some of these 3-point lines in the playoffs. So, game 6, 3 of 4. Game 5, 4 of 9. Game 3, bad night. 1 of 5, 1 of 9. All right? 1 of 9 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3. Yeah. Right? Before that, 2 of 6, and before that, 1 of 7. So, I mean, the guy is, you know, hit and miss. Absolutely. But... He's not a superstar, but but I will say I do think he's he's the highest flying player you've had since Donovan Mitchell. Certainly explosiveness. John Collins has that all day. Well, I'm, and he he's a dog, dude. Yeah, he likes to put like he likes to go to Boston and and have his biggest games. Like he is a guy that will. He may not be the end result may not always be the best, but he is going to give you championship level effort every single every single games. trip. Yeah, he's, he is going to give you championship effort every single trip. And I think when you look at what this team needed, the Jazz don't need the Jazz don't need special. They need job doers. Yes. They need guys. And specifically, this was one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA last year. Thanks. With Taylor Hendricks and John Collins and an ever-emerging and growing Walker Kessler, like, Rebounding really should not be a problem on this team. Yeah. And I, I still maintain that, and I talked to a dude about Jordan Clarkson, and I'm telling you he is not going to wear the Jazz uniform again. And I, I think there would have to be a stunning change for Jordan Clarkson to, to rejoin this team. I, I don't even know what that would be. Pack your shit. Let's go. But I think that it would it would be a stunning, stunning. Well, I think it's it just all comes down to money, man. Yeah, I, I, that's all. It yeah, is. I would agree. It, it would be a stunning, stunning change. Um, but you're going to have to replace Jordan Clarkson. But I yep. don't think it's going to be. I don't think Jordan Clarkson's 
going to be on the roster. I, I truly don't. Big, big news today out of Lakerland. We'll tell you about it next after this from The Advocates. I was involved in a hit and run accident. My chiropractor recommended me to The Advocates. They completely took care of everything. Now that my case has been settled, I feel like I can go back to my normal life, all thanks to The Advocates. The Advocates, UtahAdvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. Guys, I tell you every single day on this show that The Advocates never ask you to pay them any money up front, ever. You don't pay The Advocates out of your own pocket, ever. Because you don't pay The Advocates unless and until they win your case. And I love that because that means you have no excuses not to get the best representation possible. If you got hurt at work today, if you were in a car accident over the weekend, if you got hit while you were riding your bike, if you have been injured, you need somebody who can do the job for you because your insurance company isn't doing that. Insurance, you pay them every month, and when you need them most, they're going to fight for what's best for them, not for you. You need an advocate, somebody that will fight for you. You need to be able to think about, hey, how am I going to get healthy? Hey, what do I need to do to protect my family? The advocates are going to battle your insurance company. The advocates are going to get you the absolute positive best outcome financially so that you can worry about getting healthy, getting back to the best version of you. Theadvocates.com, utahadvocates.com. Chat with an attorney live online right now. Make sure you tell them you heard about it. On the Monty Show, Ken Williams says, you would think as many lottery picks OKC has had, they would have won. Well, but you've also had a lot of injuries. And I think that this is a really critical year for OKC. I mean, it is... There's no more time to, there's no more time to kind of play around. Chet's got to have a year because you have a lot invested in that kid. He is, Chet Holmgren's exactly what that club was missing last year. Yep. And while I don't think that the expectation should have been previously that they would win a championship, I would expect them to be in the top half of the Western Conference. I, in fact, I would tell you, I would have expected them by now to be a top five team. But if Chet comes back, and by all accounts, he is healthy, he looks really good, he has been in their facility every single day, five to six days a week, the exact same time every single day. Working out, getting better, getting healthy. Like, he is doing what needs to be done to put himself in the exact place so that OKC can count on him. And if you stick Chet into that lineup, and Josh Giddy and... The thing that worries you is this FIBA tournament, that's a lot of basketball. It's a lot of basketball. Guys like Victor Wambanyama are not playing at FIBA because they know it's a lot of basketball. So it'll be interesting to see, like, this is a Chris Middleton story with the Bucks, and I, I know everybody knows this, but he's coming out of the Olympic cycle. Yeah. And he's had the knee injuries. He's had the wrist injuries. He's had these little nagging injuries, because Father Time's undefeated. Yep. So you look at somebody like Chet. Chet hasn't played a lot of games, unfortunately, because of the injury. Now you need him to play volume. But you really want Josh Goody playing in the FIBA tournament. Eh, that makes me a little nervous. If it, that makes me a little nervous. But anyway, having said all that, with the, the talent that, that the Williams is and the SGAs and the Giddies and now the Chets and... If you can just stay healthy for 75 games this year, there's no reason that can't be a top five team in the West. Yep. There's no reason. 
There's no more excuses, no more bullshit, no more Chet's back. It's time to start kicking ass. Yep. The expectation now should be they compete for home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. That that's what the expectation should be. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like that absolutely. is to me, that's a that's a big one. Um let's see. Chet or wet banana, Saul Goodman says. I think Chet's gonna be. I think Chet's got a chance to unseat Victor Wambanyama for the rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think Chet has the skill set. You know, I, I, I've always been a big Chet believer, but now I got to see, can you stay healthy? I mean, no. I know that that was kind of a freak injury with LeBron and, and you know, just how that whole But that whole was thing it a happened. freak injury? I kind of feel like it was a freak injury. I mean, how many times when you're playing basketball, especially at the level these guys play at, do you get bummed? Like, I mean, it's not like LeBron posterized but them. You they don't, bumped each other. But you don't play against the physical specimens that you get in the NBA. The mid-table guy. Think of a mid-table forward, a, a Jeremy Grant. A just, a just think of your Walker Kessler rim, rim runner. Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson. How many of those guys are in college? How, how many of those guys are in overtime elite? G League Ignite. None of them. How many of those guys, Chet, how many of those guys did Chet see at, at Gonzaga? Yeah. Fucking none of them. That's part of the problem playing in the WCC. You don't see those guys. You don't see the sense of boss. You don't see the... Scotty Barnes. The, the Scotty Barnes, the Taylor Hendricks at Evan UCF. Mobley. You don't see those guys. So now all of a sudden, 100-pound fettuccine noodle... Chat Holmgren is running down in a pickup game shoulder to shoulder with LeBron James who bumps him and he broke his foot. Do you really? And again, I'm not trying to go down this road because I know it pisses a bunch of people off, but do you really think that Victor Wamanyama is getting through this year unscathed? You know. I'd be surprised if he played 50 games. Yeah. That'd be shocking if he played 50 games. No, I don't care that certain people, and they all are complete assholes that want to retweet these videos of Victor missing every jump shot in a photo op. It's embarrassing, dude. It was embarrassing. It's embarrassing. That doesn't mean the kid can't play. Never said he couldn't play. I think what it tells you is, and did you guys see that? Victor Wambanyama was doing a photo shoot, and they just were having him play essentially around the world at the top of the key, and... Just throwing up jump shots, bricked every single shot and air ball, in fact, in one of them, and bricked all of them. Didn't make a single shot. I don't, I don't think he made a single shot. I don't know if he did or not, but in the video, he didn't. In the video, he did not make yeah, a in single the video, shot. He didn't. And everybody's like, he's a bust. Fuck off. It's, yeah. it's a nothing photo shoot. I'm not saying dude's a bust. I'm saying that it's reflective of his 29% shooting percentage. I mean, that's just as simple as it is. It's reflective of the fact that. You, you have to understand, and Shaq went through the same thing. A, a basketball in this kid's hands feels like a tennis ball, dude. Like, imagine trying to shoot a tennis ball from the three-point line. I mean, and that's a, what you're talking and about. And imagine trying to do that over a guy like Chet who's got a full year on you of building his body. Or imagine trying to do that over a Joel Embiid or a Giannis Antetokounmpo. Think about your best fours and fives. Yeah, he's gonna he, he he's gonna have a tough time, and that's why I said I, everybody assumes he'll win the rookie of the year. Now I assume Chet Holmgren's gonna win the rookie of the year. That's what I think. 
I, I, th- I think that's the case. War Room says, what's up, y'all? What's up? Salty, of course, says Chet will light it up this season. Dude, if he stays healthy, I, I think he will. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Doug Hamilton, my guy with a great comment. Go back to the beginning of the show. Um, Tanner Plummer says, smart move from VW not to play FIBA. Agreed. Uh, Salty Drunk says, you guys don't get what it means for Australians to represent their country. Uh, but I guess we also don't get what it means for a guy like Josh Giddy to collect a massive paycheck. Josh Giddy is in the most important stretch of his professional career. Yep. Uh, but not close. There's not a conversation. There's not an argument. If Josh Giddy does not take a significant jump forward this season in the NBA, he's just going to be a, he's going to have the career that Joe Ingles had. Yeah. Very, it's, very. He'll just be a contributor. Yeah. Because now he's got a hell of a lot more competition on that roster. And I'm not saying he's a bad player, but if he gets hurt or if he's tired and run down because he doesn't get rest, dude, you're, 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 in a really, you're in a really bad spot. You're I in a would really bad spot. Dude, skip FIBA and play the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, Lopes fan Gabe says Chet equals sophomore of the year. Seriously. Facts. It's the Ben Simmons thing, man. Yeah. It's the Ben. Wasn't didn't Ben Simmons beat Donovan Mitchell yeah. for the rookie of the year? Yeah, because he didn't play at all his first year. Technically, yeah. his first year in contract. Yeah. It's the exact same place Chet Holmgren's in. So we'll see. Jet Wayman says, I think Scoot will win rookie of the year, in my opinion. Could I, be. I just think Chet is ready to go. Chet is ready to go. What do you guys make of this L.A. Lakers situation? Uh, Because we got to get to Dame as well. This situation with the Lakers is is getting ugly now. As the Lakers burn. Absolutely the truth. Um, And I think this is the biggest NBA story right now. So, of course, it's brought to you by TridayTrading.com. TridayTrading.com, your NBA uh, partner here on the Monty Show. Anytime we talk to the NBA or the Utah Jazz, you think TridayTrading.com. And I'm telling you guys, with all the, the financial issues facing Americans these days, and really everybody in North America, because did you know, no matter where you listen to the show in North America, TridayTrading.com is your solution. We have a lot of issues, whether it's real estate, and I know there's a lot of people who are grinding to afford their first home. And it's expensive. You're probably into it for you know, half a million bucks, depending on where you listen to this show. Tridaytrading.com can absolutely get you your first home because whether you do it part-time and you make two, three, $400 a day automated, because you understand with Tridaytrading.com, you're not sitting in front of a computer making trades all day long. You understand that they give you the skill set, the ability, the know-how, the process, the algorithm to program so that you can set it at six in the morning, you're gonna sit down for half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, and you're gonna set and automate all your trades. You're gonna go to work. While you're making your money at your full-time job, you're making hundreds of dollars a day as a day trader with TridayTrading.com. Because when you go through the TridayTrading.com program, you own your own business. You come out of that with all of the weaponry you need to be the best day trader in the country. And the best part is, when you finish their program, they're gonna fund an account so you can start making live trades with their money. When you make money with their money, you keep 80% of the profit. That's how confident they are that they at TridayTrading.com can make you an awesome day trader. Do it for two, three, 400 bucks a day as a part-time side hustle. Do it full-time and make $1,000 a day 
day traders in the that come out of the TridayTrading.com program make $1,000 a day. And there are some that make far more than that. It's just about your motor and what you need financially. They're gonna teach you how to reach that goal. So buy a house, buy that new car, make your car payment, make your mortgage payment every single day at TridayTrading.com slash Monty. All you have to do is go sign up for a $10 30-day free trial membership. You pay the $10 as a charitable donation, they're gonna give you a 30-day trial membership. Tax write-off in the $10 donation and the trial membership, that's all it takes is a $10 charitable donation and you don't get some of the program. In that 30 days, you get the entire program, the everything, the coaching, the processes, the systems, the education to become a prolific day trader. $10, 30-day trial membership, Triday Trading. .com, let's talk LA Laker basketball because I, this is an incredible story. Now, obviously, this is sourced information, but I read a big, deep dive into the Laker roster, and today, sources are saying that LeBron James is done with Anthony Davis in Los Angeles. He, is, he apparently played hurt for a majority of last season, which I think all of us knew watching LeBron. Yeah. But he was frustrated at the lack of Anthony Davis's availability at times. He is frustrated that you couldn't count on Anthony Davis and he is done and would like the Lakers to move on from AD. Jake, if you're the Lakers, do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, any team, any major market team has to move on from a guy that's only going to play 40 games if you're lucky. I, I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. And furthermore, and the bigger issue to me is that the dude didn't show up when it mattered most. Anthony Davis didn't show up for you. He was very inconsistent, you know, and he'd fall on the floor and you'd wonder if he's out for the season. So to me, yeah, if I'm if I'm Rob Palinka, I'm moving this guy because I do think coming off that playoff run, he's got value. Absolutely, he's got value. Is he known as an injury play player? Yeah, absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you can't trade the guy and maybe get draft capital, maybe get a player in return that you can work with, whatever the case may be. And and I think this Austin Reeves situation is connected to the Anthony Davis situation. You're going to have to pay Austin Reeves a lot of money to keep him because he's earned that value. He's earned that contract through his play. So I'm prioritizing uh, Austin Reeves over Anthony Davis, absolutely, because I don't think that Anthony Davis, as he ages, is he's not going to get healthier. That's that that's not going to change. Father Time's well, undefeated. I, I, I like, don't know that he needs to get healthier. Well, I think. By the way, I would also remind people that Anthony Davis was a little better than just some pile of crap. He was actually pretty damn good during the playoffs. I think that's the frustrating part for LeBron is that their road was much longer because Anthony Davis wasn't available during the regular season. And I think when you start looking at Anthony Davis's numbers, I think it is pretty remarkable that he put up 1740 in game, uh, game one against Denver at Denver, 18, 28 and 21. And they don't win the Golden State Series without him. Right? I mean, it, yeah. is that something we can all agree on? Yeah. So this guy performs. The issue is, and I think this is what you're saying, the issue is there's no reason to expect he will be on the floor more as his career goes yeah. on. There's not, I mean, what, what, like... I think they need to think long and hard about that. 
I think it is very difficult to trade a guy who puts up these, the, the playoff numbers are, that's what's hard to give up on. When you look at this guy and you look at the way that he has performed, especially for the Lakers in the postseason, they won a championship with this guy hitting a huge three. I mean, he is not, it's not that he's been terrible. The issue is he's played 62, 36, 40, and 56. He's never played a full 82 for them. Not close to a full 82. But his numbers have been pretty dang good. 26, 21, 23, and 26. I mean, in 56 games, he shot 56%, 26% from three, and he scored 26 points a game. He is arguably... A, a, a top 10 player in the NBA when he's healthy. Yeah, that doesn't mean you shouldn't trade him, though. I, I I think he's, yeah, he performed. He had a nice, you know, that 40-point game, his performance in the Golden State Series, absolutely. But ultimately, it's not enough. It, it's just not enough. And, and I think, you know, there were a lot of times in the playoff run where he was playing hurt, you know, walking around, you know, limping around. Like, I don't know, he's just not a power player. Yeah, can he fill up a stat sheet? Yeah, he can, because he's gifted and he has size. Absolutely. But I just, I don't know. I would trade him. That's my opinion. Can you make a case to keep him? Sure. But I don't want to hear about, oh, he's hurt, so they're struggling. I'm not, I'm not like, disagreeing I, I, with you I, that I, they should trade him. What I'm saying is, let's not write this cat off like he's Zion Williamson. This is one of the best players in the NBA. And I think the issue has been... And I'm struggling to say his dedication because he worked really hard last summer and it showed. I mean, he played 56 games. But the other question here that I think we always overlook because the headline says LeBron's done with Anthony Davis. Right. Well, at what point are we done with LeBron? Never. At what point do we move on from LeBron? Well, I think that's the issue. LeBron James has not been, it, it's not like this cat's been wildly healthy himself since he got to LA. And there's this, I, I understand that people are like, well, it's LeBron James. He's one of the best players ever. But how long is it? Like, how long should we expect LeBron to be at the top of his game? Yeah, I mean. Because he's I, on the clock. Yeah, there's no the, doubt the about that. The difference is LeBron James can sit here and say, yeah, I've got rings. I've got this. I've got that. I'm the all-time scoring leader. I've done a bunch of stuff. And none of that means that you're, you're as good now as you were then, but but at least with LeBron, you can count on Bron playing fifty-five games this year and fifty-six the year before. Yeah, like he but can that's, play games. Okay, so wait, I and I just want to make sure we get this right. Anthony Davis played fifty-six and that wasn't enough. LeBron played fifty-five no, and you can count on. Because the difference is, is he's not the reason they're winning. Anthony Davis is a secondary player that oh, shows up wow. sometimes. Come on. Anthony Davis, when he's on the floor. I, mean, I can't believe, dude, I can't believe you're evangelizing for this guy right I'm now. Not, like, I'm not evangelizing for him. I am saying I, I, it really bothers me that LeBron is just given a rubber stamp of, yeah, absolutely, LeBron but James, LeBron James. why is he giving that stamp? Well, because he, I, you, he's had a better career. But yeah. we're not talking about career right now. We're talking about what's better for this year and the next two years for the Lakers. And yeah. I would tell you... They have almost no shot of getting Bronny. Okay, if I said, okay, who do you who who do you think will be healthier over the next two years? I think it's Anthony Davis. 
Man, that's yeah. We just disagree. Well, one, he plays on the floor. Two, what do you mean he plays on the floor? He's not a guy that's playing above oh, the rim he's not all like the a time. High flyer, guy. Yeah. yeah. And what yeah. is LeBron? How is LeBron getting hurt? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it's one of those things where, and the other thing that worries you a little bit is LeBron relies on some quickness still to his game. Yeah. And I understand that his efficiency numbers have been pretty damn good, but again, listen, if they pick. LeBron James over Anthony Davis, I totally understand it. Arguably the greatest player of his generation. Not even arguably. But I hope you understand the risk that is involved with leaning on LeBron James to be your best player. That's a huge risk for a cat that is 39 years old this season. He's 39 years old. The guy has played... 1,421 career games. Nobody outruns father time. Nobody. I don't think he sucks. I don't think he's washed. I don't think he's a bum. I have a lot of respect for LeBron. I told you specifically when you were being a cock face and saying you didn't want to go to the Laker game on Christmas. What did I tell you? We have to see LeBron before he retires. I respect the guy. I paid thousands of dollars to see him against Charlotte pass a ball to Dennis Schroeder in the corner who shot a brick to lose a game. I am glad I saw him. My biggest concern is it's going to end like it ended for Kobe, where we're going to get a knee injury followed by an Achilles injury followed by retirement. And that may happen. That may happen. You know, like it's just not. I, I, I have a lot of respect for LeBron. I just, I have real reservations about building a team around him for the next two years. Okay. Well, that's your philosophy. I, I, if we're, if you're asking me who I'm taking, I'm taking Braun all day. I'm not, it ain't even a question. It's what do you not. do? What do you do a year from now when Bronny's not on the Lakers? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, what, but I, I think the problem with that question is, is the Lakers don't operate in two year windows. They're now and that's it. They've always been that way. But how do you, if you are LeBron, how do you, cause he's stated his goal is to play with Bronny. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So I'm going to commit to a guy who's probably going to go sign a contract somewhere else. That's a little troubling for me. Cause yeah. I don't know how you get your hands on Bronny. Yeah. I just, I, I would never commit to Anthony Davis. I just don't think he's ever shown to be. Yeah. He hit that shot and he was a huge reason why they won that championship in the bubble. And I'm not someone who couches the bubble championship. Mm-hmm. I think it's as legit as any championship there is, but, but I just don't think I, I dude, if we're going to, if we're going to sit here and question building a team around Braun, there's no way you can't question building a team around Anthony Davis. You just can't. It just doesn't I, work. I, I don't even, again, I'm not arguing that with you and I'm not arguing with you not to, I'm not, I'm telling you, I think they are, they are in a real predicament. I don't know how you, I don't know. I don't know what you do. Yeah. I, I really don't know what you do. Um, Salty says Lakers do nothing until they get past the LeBron era. It's a case of tail wagging the dog. I don't even disagree with that. I don't even disagree with that. And I, I look at, um, I look at a lot of this stuff and I just don't know. I don't know how you fix them. What do you wait? What do you mean the Lakers do nothing until they get past LeBron? They just went to the Western Conference Finals, right? But it was not even close. Like they were not even in the same. Come on now, 
They were not even in the in the same. But is that is that what we're talking about? Yes. Like we're 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 because this the, you're it, and I know so, I, the Lakers don't compete for Western Conference Finals appearances. Right? They don't. That's why Frank Vogel got fired. They compete for for championships, and when you look at the situation. And you start to understand that you're going to pay this guy, what is it, $48 million this year? And next year he's on an option? Fuck. Like, I'm going to pay you $48 million. You're probably walking away so you can play with your kid. Yeah. Because he's going to be, Bronny's probably going to be a top 15 pick. Yeah, I don't disagree with the Bronny angle. I don't disagree with that. Hey, you know, probably shouldn't commit to Bron because he wants to play with Bronny. Okay, fine. That's fine. I, but I, if I were the Lakers, I'd want an extension right now. Well... Because you, you're going to wind up paying him. It's probably an average. I'd have to look it up to be accurate. But I think it's probably an average of about $50 million a season. Yeah. It's, so give me a three-year deal, and I'll give you $110 million. Yeah, it's 47 and a half this year, 51.4 next year. <laughs> Dude. And then and he's probably going to walk away after this season. Yeah. Because it, it, like, it's a player yeah, option, a player right? option yeah, yeah, it's a player option. Yeah, yeah. It's a player option because he wants to play with Brawny. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you fix that. Uh, Maury says, how much time is on LeBron's deal? Does he finish it out and then take the vet minimum to play with Bronny? I don't think he would take the vet minimum. But he's he's uh, he's got this coming year, and then he's got a, a player option. option. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. The Lakers are in a really tough spot because I also look at... I also look at their cap, and my internet is just crawling right now. But I, I look at their salary cap, and I just don't see how you change again. I mean, they're, they're, in, they're on the apron, and it's guys like, I mean, you're going to wind up losing Mobamba and Malik Beasley and Shaq Harris. And, like, do you just let D'Angelo Russell walk away? Yeah. I, I don't see how you don't. Free agency starts what Sunday, I guess. Like you're just get that dude's you, like you're gonna have to. What do you do with with Austin Reeves? Pay him. You're gonna have to pay him. But Rui Hachimura, can you afford both of them? I don't know. Can you can you make a trade for Anthony Davis, who's gonna make forty million dollars? What I mean, forty million dollars for Anthony Davis, and. He is, it, 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 dude, that's a huge number. And then he's got a player option for 43.2 next year. You and I both know he ain't turning that down. You're going to have to trade him somewhere where he can get an extension. Yeah. And yeah, I think the Lakers are in a terrible spot if they, if they don't make a significant change. That's all I'm going to say, like, the Max Christie's and the Jared Vanderbilt's are meaningless. Because if you don't, if your top three guys do not come back, you're going to have to really work around some issues with LeBron and yeah, with LeBron. I mean, your your total cap right now is twenty two hundred twenty three million dollars. That is way over. God damn. Yeah, that's way over. So you're going to have to rework some of that. It'll be interesting to see exactly how all that plays out. We'll see. Uh, Michael Pack says Davis to Golden State for Draymond. Uh, he Draymond's going back to Golden. You don't, you, bro. 
you punched that kid in the face and then they traded him. Yeah. Then you walk away from him? That'd be gangster. And I'll drop that mother. You punched him in the fucking face. They trade him and then you go to the Lakers. Correct the mundo. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah, that's rough. Oh my God. Rough. Uh, OG Gary says, shout out to Mo Bamba. Yeah. Jake's like, yeah, I'm not even going to try and find that one. Uh, the Nye guy, screw the Lakers. Let them bottom feed for a few years. Shout they, out have, to Mo Bamba. they have had their time. Good riddance. So much hate for the Lakers, dude. Yeah, I get it. I, I don't hate the Lakers. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I, I think I've turned into a player. It, the problem's going to be if Devin Booker goes there. Because that's my dude. Let's be honest. Stay hard. Like, I love that dude. Yeah. What happens if he goes to the Lakers? Then, I, Laker then I'm a Laker fan. Yeah. There's no doubt. Because what's good, for, what's good for Devin Booker is good for me. I don't care what anyone says. You watch the Lakers. Whether you hate the Lakers or you like them, you watch them. Yes, you do. I don't care what anyone yes, says, Yes, you dude. do. That's exactly right. Uh, let's see. Court McMullen. What's up, Court? Send Davis to the T-Wolves to play alongside Gobert and Towns. Why not? Exactly. Tom <laughs> Dean. The Lakers need a bucked-up buckshot. Yes, I they agree. do. Yes, they do. They need a bucked-up buckshot. No doubt about that. Um, I just... I, the Lakers are not in a bad place. Don't get me wrong. They are not in a bad place. It's simply a matter of the decisions they make. And we'll see how that works. Ken Williams, sometimes the system helps guys that don't excel in certain systems. Hardy will get more out of Collins. Yeah, I agree. Collins needs to change the scenery. Collins needs development. He, he has got to – he is DeAndre Ayton defensively, but worse. Like, he's just not – I don't even know how you – like, he, the guy has no footwork. Yeah. And he is not a good, instinctual, defensive player. Like, Taylor Hendricks, you don't have to teach him defense. He, he can feel the flow of a game. Like, when you play basketball, and you guys probably think, oh, look, fan-ass, you don't play basketball. Hey, hey, hey Mont, um, when's the last time you drug your fat-ass on a basketball court? Well, when I used to drag my, my athletic, thin, lean build onto a basketball what court, you bitch? I used to play pretty good defense because you can feel the flow of the game. You can feel it. You can feel when picks are. You should be able to feel when a pick is coming. You should be able to feel like what the switches are, right? John Collins doesn't do that. John Collins has no idea how to read whether a guy's going to pump fake or go to the basket or shoot. So he consistently leaves his feet at the perimeter and gives up layups. Like, it's just, yeah. it's Rudy Gobert. It's Rudy Gobert all over again. Um, Maury Alvarez says, and Book is the sex machine. Yes, he is. Yep. Yes, he is. There, there is no doubt about that. OG Gary, every hater a closet Laker fan. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, dude. And if they ain't hating, you're doing something wrong. Travis Garlock, Jazz, uh, should have drafted JHS. I mean, do you care to, I have no idea who that is. No idea. Uh, LOL, Timberwolves front office is nuts. Jalen Hood, Shafino, who are they Lakers allegedly drafted to replace Reeves if they can't resign him. Okay. Uh, the, the, the thing that makes me crazy about this is how do you complain even a little bit about the Jazz draft? 
Like I just I I don't know what more they could have done. Yeah. Taylor Hendricks is stud. He can he that's a guy who can be in your starting lineup probably for 10 years. Like he's for real. he's the, he sh, do you guys have you, the thing that kills me is I don't believe Jazz fans have ever seen Taylor Hendricks play. That's the only thing that I can come up with for people to make comments like they should have drafted some guy, anybody other than Taylor Hendricks. Have you seen the guy play? No. Because that's the only thing that I can come up with. No. You must not have. That's the only thing I can come up with. Uh, Godorov says fart noises, please, uh, before budget cuts. Fart noises before budget cuts. Yeah. I don't know what budget cuts you're referencing on this show, Grum. Yeah, we can't afford fart noises anymore. Yeah. We, we can't. Um, you know. Mike Maples, how many teams stay conservative this offseason because of next summer's salary cap changes? Well, I mean, there's not a lot of teams that are in trouble with the cap. I mean, Atlanta traded John Collins because of that. You know. Uh, I but I don't think teams will be conservative. Teams have too much opportunity to win. Yeah. Um. It's what's so head scratching about the Suns keeping DeAndre Ayton. Like you, you just there's no explanation for that. Nope. There's none. I mean that'd be like that'd be like going anywhere for pizza that isn't Papa Murphy's Pizza. At Papa Murphy's, we do more than just pizza. We do meatballs and marinara. Papa Murphy's does meatballs? Oh, oh, I think you mean I do the meatballs and marinara? And how do you do it, Dad? How do I do it? How do I do it? Oh, well, we do it with savory ground beef covered in tangy, tangy marinara. That's how, honey. At Papa Murphy's, we make great pizza. And don't forget the meatballs. Order now at PapaMurphy's.com. Papa Murphy's Pizza. Make sure you download the Papa Murphy's app. It is the best way to order Papa Murphy's Pizza and the marinara meatballs. Uh, I would encourage you to order it in the morning for 4 o'clock pickup. I'm somebody that's up at 5 a.m. every day. And the best part is every Friday or usually when I'm not eating at Super Chicks, which we're about to talk about here in about 30 minutes. Um, if, I'm, if I'm eating out, usually it's Papa Murphy's Pizza. And with the calzones, it's almost always the calzones because they're so good. You can order it at 5 a.m. for 4 o'clock pickup. Yeah. And it'll be on the rack ready for you to just open the door, take it, and walk out. Calzone, marinara meatball, take and bake chocolate chip cookies. Boom. Sex. I mean, that, that's it. I mean, that's the whole, as a guy, you throw, you throw a Coors Light on top of that, boom, we're done. Throw a Modelo on top of that, Jesus. Boom. Like, you're, you're having the day of your life, dude. You might as well just go out and step in front of a train. Because it ain't getting any better now. You're out of your freaking you know, mind. Take a sub down to the Titanic because it's over. Okay. Your, your life is oh, not. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the hundred ghosts down there from the Titanic eat Papa Murphy's too. Yeah, because your life's not improving. Calzone. Marinara meatball, take and make chocolate chip cookie, Modelo, boom, submarine, dead. Ow. That's it. That's the way that life goes, right? That's the, uh, Use the promo code MONTY25 to get it. really hit me. 5% off your first sub purchase. Well, it's their only sub, because when you get in the sub, you ain't coming back, motherfucking. No, I'm, just, no, I'm not doing that. One time. So what I have meant to, you know... 
Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. And no, I don't need SpongeBob sub-references in the comment section, okay? Don't if- need Krusty Krab references. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus. Look, man, use the promo code MONTY25 to get on the submarine, and you don't ever have to worry about paying the bill because you're going to be dead. It's a- Boom. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Dude. Dude. Yeah. So I'm listening. I'm listening to the radio this morning. Um. This homie gets on the radio and he's like, oh, they all fake their deaths. All oh, billionaires. They're in debt. They're alive. I'm like, what? And I just, I just need to know. Is there anything that's not a conspiracy theory in this life? What needs to happen is we need to put all of the douche canoes like him into a box, lock that box, and throw it into the ocean. Right? That's what they do with demons. Yeah, it's called a submarine. (laughs) Right? Like, it's called a submarine, dude. Excuse me. It's a submersible. Oh, I'm sorry. Seems like a great opportunity to slurp and splash. Truck Stop Gumby says Jakey Tools is definitely a Zima guy. I don't even know what that means. You don't know what Zima is? No. no I don't know what that is, bro. He doesn't know what Zima is. He doesn't Zima. know what Zima is. Zima. Zima. A lightly carbonated alcoholic beverage made and distributed by Coors Brewing Company. Somebody. You guys... This sounds this sounds like another seltzer that you would like. Fuck I don't drink seltzer. Hell out of here with that. What are you talking about? So, then why I'm like, okay. you, there's a lot then of shit you can say. Wait, wait, wait. There's a lot of stuff that you can oh, say. There's a lot of stuff you can say about me. But saying I drink seltzer, no. Well, that's what no. Zima is. No, it's not. That's what the internet says, and if the internet says it, it must be true. Do you guys understand what I deal with every day? When you have somebody like this. I mean, I wouldn't use carbon fiber on the whole, but, you know. I didn't put that seltzer in the bottle. Yeah. I was on the sub with you. What a stupid son of a bitch. Tanner says, dang, Jake, first it was chicken in a biscuit drama, now this. Yeah, whatever. There's not a chance in the world that Tanner knows what Zima is. Yeah. uh, Ken Williams, Lakers suck. Nobody cares. Well, we just did 35 oh. minutes on the Lakers, so I'm going to, you know. Uh, Big Bulls, you failed your fatherly duties not educating Jake on Zima. You see what I mean? Like, what am I supposed to do? you see what I have to work with here? I guarantee you he knows what this next one is. Jake, what's a white claw? Yeah, everyone knows what a white claw is, dude. How do you, like... Don't fuck. Yeah, I mean, dude, they were probably drinking white claw. Never mind. Nope. I'm not gonna make that reference. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. dilly. Oh. You sir, you claim to know your alcohol. I know what a white claw is. Okay. Look, Bob Huggins, take it easy. Okay? Yeah, dude. Seriously. <laughs> 18 white claws later, bro. Nice resignation letter. I knew letter. that was what you were nice thinking. Nice resignation letter, dude. The Nye guy. Titanic is thirsty for uh rich souls. Apparently. Okay. Um Zima is the white claw of the 90s. There you go. See? Exactly right. Uh, Bryce Martin, I always jump on during the basketball segments. Well, you know, 
You know. Uh, you know, White Claw's okay. I don't drink very much. It, you know. Uh, Jimmy, Monty, are you Bartles or James? Your mom. Um, <laughs> Bartles and James. You know, we went to um, oh, the Chicken and Waffles place in Long Beach. Oh, my God. Roscoe's. Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. And they were serving Bartles and James. Yeah. Yes, I had one. By the way, fried chicken and waffles is undefeated. Oh, so good. Extra syrup. Uh, Big Dog Old Town. Yeah. Uh, Zima was an alcoholic fresca. Uh, Okay. Uh, Greg says, no alcohol for me. Really not for me either. Uh, OG Gary says, ain't no laws when you drink in White Claws. Ain't no laws. Yeah. So we went upstairs today to drop a nuke. I mean, to get our steps in. And um, <laughs> they, there's a whole fridge full of White Claws. Yeah, it's a rack. In this building. Like, speaking of racks. Um, yeah, it was yeah crazy. Uh, the Nye guy, Guinness is the best. Mic drop. No, nah, uh, bro. I'm not a dark lager guy. That's not nope. my jam. Nope. Uh, Shooter Texas. I've heard White Claw, but never had one. Been sticky. Been strictly a bourbon guy for the past 15 years. Okay, what kind of bourbon do you like, bro? What's your, what's your, yeah, what kind of bourbon you like, dude? I can get down with some whiskey, bourbon. True Money, Zima, and O'Doul's. O'Doul's. <laughs> Brandon Butler, Godfather Zima, Monty, you let him drink White Claw. Next thing, he'll be a Packer fan. Nah. He's a fan of, nope. Waves in opposition. Nope. Gonna talk NFL QBs in three minutes. Um, let's see. Paul Lane. I shouldn't have read this comment. If you look at the demand for live sports content, I think there's some mark. Okay, Zima. Uh, Bryce, <laughs> Bryce Martin. Also, Jake, Luca ain't a bust. Yeah, are you, will you get off our guy, no, Luca Doncic, please? I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Nope. Ken Williams, sounds like excuses to me when you have lottery pick year after year, you should have won. But they did, dude. God, what are you talking about? Like, what do you about? mean? They did. So let me get this right. They win a championship in the bubble, and then, you know, we just all want to write off the He means the fact, OKC, I think. Oh, well, he needs to define that then. He needs to define that then. All hat, no cattle, Ken. Come on, let's go. Uh, Philip Dolan, give Jake a New York seltzer before he goes to sleep like a baby tonight. Thanks, dude. Yeah, dude. I <laughs> know, Let's go. Uh, Modelo, Corona, and Takati. You know, I've never had a Takati. Modelo, hell yes. Yes. Um, let's see. C. Kaufman says Makers. Clint Mose says Crown and Coke. And C. Kaufman says I like Scotch um more in my drink. Well, hey, there you go. Bacardi Clear and Diet Coke. Okay, okay. Bacardi and Coke was like your high school party drink, and when I was a kid, I don't know, you know. I don't know about all that. Okay, so LSU and Florida's underway. First pitch of the game, I think. Hit him. Right in the back. That was not accidental. All right, let's talk NFL quarterbacks here on the Monty program. Hey, Monty. Um, this hour of the show is presented by our good friends at Bucked Up Energy, the official energy provider of the Monty show. Bucked Up, always trying to hook you guys up. You know, I talk about it all the time. Uh, buckshot right here. And, and I hope you guys know, like, we're not going to talk about things we don't use. So I eat at Super Chicks in Ogden on Riverdale Road. Um, I go to Big O Tires in American Fork. I shop at Blade HQ. 
Com. Like all of the co partners we have on the show we use, there's none I use more than Bucked Up. And the Buck shots yesterday up at Canyons Golf, I got to tell you, carded a 78. There's probably a discussion to be had about blacks versus blue. I'm going to do that. Playing from the blacks or playing from the blues. Um, if I'd have made a putt yesterday, I think I could have shot a... I was looking at my card last night because I'm a hopeless moron. Um, and I think I could have shot a 72 yesterday if I had made just putts on half of the holes, could have shot a 72. And I attribute a lot of it to bucked up because when I leave the house, I drink a buck shot about halfway home. I've already had a buck, uh, bucked up Miami and a buck bar. And it just keeps me going. It keeps my mind in the game. It keeps me physically ready. I'm walking like 12,000 steps yesterday, feeling really physically well. Bucked up works. That's the thing that I can tell you. If you guys are workout people, if you are a whey protein guy, if you are a, an energy drink guy, bucked up, get it at buckedup.com. I like bucked up Miami is the best energy drink I've ever had. Um, but they're Miami BCAs. They're watermelon buckshot. Yeah. It just works. Clean, long-lasting energy. That's what you need. That's what you get at buckedup.com. Uh, by the way, don't take my word for it. We always want to give you free samples. If you are a, if you are a protein bar guy, your life is over because these are the best bars you've ever had. I kid you not. Don't take my word for it. They want to send you a sampler pack for free in the description below. Get the Buck Bar. I love them. They use whey protein isolate, which is the cleanest uh, whey uh, protein out there. Right, that's W-H-E-Y, right? That's right. Okay. Not whatever Riley O'Brien's talking about. So I don't know what that is. Uh, BuckedUp.com, Bucked Up, the official energy drink of the Monty Show. By the way, Truck Stop Gumby says box of Chardonnay. Okay. You guys remember boxes of wine? You know. Uh, Saul Goodman, pretty sure Bucked Up is not clean. Oh, it's absolutely clean. Yeah. I would assume you don't know. Uh, ways the way truck stop Gumby says. Right, right. Exactly right. Um, let's talk NFL QBs here on the Monty Show because there's a couple of situations I think we need to get into. First of all, where do you guys come down on Aaron Rodgers? Because I think this is fascinating. Aaron Rodgers is advocating for the legalization, which means it's currently illegal. The legalization of psychedelic, I'm not going to say drugs, but psychedelic elements like ayahuasca. For those of you who don't know, <coughs> ayahuasca is a tea, you drink it. <coughs> and it comes from a leaf. It's extracted from a leaf. He says he regularly uses ayahuasca. So let me get this right. You know it's illegal. And you're admitting that you use it. So much so he went to a symposium and sat on stage and advocated for the legalization of ayahuasca. Hey, guys. Does the NFL have a duty to act when one of its star quarterbacks is saying that he uses illegal drugs? Uh, illegal, uh, illegal hallucinogens. Yeah, you know, this is one of those gray area things. Uh, for me... I don't think the NFL is ever going to act on a guy talking about something. They would need proof. You know, they'd need it on tape. They'd need, like, him doing it in the locker room or something ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, 
the the NFL to get involved in this in any way is 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 gonna he's basically gonna have to force their hand and simply talking about it. I don't think he's going to do that. He said that many NFL players have called him uh-huh. to ask about the hows and whys and experiences around right. using ayahuasca and other psychedelics. I, I, I think this is a huge problem. I think it's a huge problem. If it were legal, I wouldn't care. And again, this is why I always tell you, freedom's not free, dude. Freedom is not free. And I think that this is one of those deals where everybody's like, well, it's a free country. Well, we have laws, actually. It's not a free country. We have laws. These, these psychotropes are illegal. Yet one of your star players is advocating. And we always do this thing like with John Moran. Well, look, man, the kids are paying attention to what you say and do. We've got to be more careful with the, the guns. And the videos of strippers sitting on your face, that's not really, that's not being a proper role model. But, but advocating for the use of psychedelics and hallucinogens, that's being a role model. Doesn't make you feel responsible. Because John didn't break any laws. John Morant didn't break any laws, but he's suspended for 25 games. Me? For doing something that depending on where he is, is perfectly legal. Yeah. But then there's Aaron Rodgers, who's out talking about, and advocating, not talking about, advocating for drug use that is illegal and illicit in this country. Uh-oh. Yeah, but he's Aaron Rodgers. It's the fucking Jets, dude. You can't, he's the starting quarterback of the Jets. What do you mean suspension? You're what? Aaron fucking Rodgers? What? No. It's just, it's a little weed. Having fun is the name of the game. Only it's not a little weed. It's ayahuasca. Right. So you tell me, why is, why is Aaron Rodgers getting a free pass? Somebody, somebody I, and I hope you have a better explanation than I do, because I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I mean, I'm happy to say that I think the NFL is very, very particular about how it chooses to discipline players. And I think that, yeah, absolutely. That he's Aaron Rodgers absolutely plays into it, 100%. I think that the league is never, ever going to discipline or take a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers' stature off the field. They're not going to do that unless they absolutely well, have no choice. And 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 I'm not at, I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying that that's how the league operates. If I had my way, yeah, this dude would be suspended for I, maybe not even suspended, but I would fine him heavily. But but look, you go back. There's and there's one dude. Uh -huh. Look look at look at Ricky Williams, uh, who wow. yeah. Remember what Ricky Williams did. Ricky Williams smoked a bunch of shit in a tent by the beach and they suspended him. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is sitting up on a stage telling people, hey, dude, man, I got to tell you, I took a hit of H last night. Holy shit. I saw Vince Lombardi himself wearing a jet uniform. <laughs> That's essentially what he's doing. Because pick the psychedelic you'd like. Acid, ayahuasca, crack, heroin, boom, pow. You do you. Right. Hey, as long as you're a quarterback, you're fine. But if you're Ricky Williams, a running back, 
Now, to you were on a beach in a tent. That feels awfully low cash to us. You weren't on like a $50,000 darkness retreat, you know, and I know, look, Ricky, I know that your weed doesn't make you shit yourself and do all kinds of weird hallucinating and stuff, but we just don't like the way that looks. And those dreadlocks, holy cow, you might want to cut those too. All right. And by the way, if you can find a Hollywood actress that, have you ever tried quarterback? Let's get you playing some quarterback too, okay? All right. I'm a fucking unit. Right? That's what this feels like to me. Right. Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback. Clean cut, good looking guy, banging Hollywood actresses. Crawls into a hole for four or five days at a time. Shits himself while he's high on ayahuasca. And he comes out a fucking hero. And everybody wants their 12 jerseys. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Woohoo! Um... So it's okay if he sits up on a stage and advocates for illegal illicit drugs. Okay. Well, I'm just glad we clarified this. Because, you know, now. Yeah, I think it's, there are clearly a lot of politics in this one. But am I, am I, am I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're wrong, dude. I don't think you're wrong. Am I making too much out of it? I I don't think you're making too much of it. There's a clear double standard, but that's the way it is. Here it comes. It's the way it is. You're hey, a quarterback. Man, bro, it just is what it is, bro. Well? It just is what it is. <laughs> you know? I mean, if you wore a single digit and threw a football like you were fucking Brock Purdy or something, we could overlook this thing. It's but, very clear. But, I mean, you're a point guard in the NBA, and that hooker was sitting on your face. Hey. And you had a gun. Wagon. You're in a Land Rover rolling around with a handgun in your hand, and then you want to say after the fact it's a lighter. Aaron Rodgers isn't on video doing anything. No. Aaron Rodgers isn't on video doing a damn thing. But do you guys know the side effects of ayahuasca? Dude? Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, darkness retreat. That's what we're calling it. I would take your pants off before you drink that tea, son. <laughs> but do you see what I mean? Like Aaron Rodgers, yes, is sitting up on stage talking about ayahuasca which is an illegal substance absolutely he's doing that yes but the league's not going to take him off the field for talking about that no not when you just went to the jets not when you're a quarterback not when you're the last of the tom brady era essentially you're, they're not doing that no brass balls says the nfl would then have to go after the majority of players and coaches that could be uh, Brandon Butler, what's up? If it keeps Josh Gordon out of the league, they need what's to What's the difference, though? What's the difference? I think that's a fair point, Brandon, but what's the difference? How many drug tests did Buddy fail? Right? He's on paper with the league. He is. That's true. Aaron Rodgers is not on paper. Aaron Rodgers has <laughs> not failed a drug test. Jimmy coming through again. A-A-Ron could smoke crack with 10-year-olds in Jersey and not miss a game. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Ain't no reset. Yeah. Well, look, Aaron, I don't know if you know this, but that girl was 10 years old. Here I am. And you were in a school zone. Hiscock. And there was a, a bus. Do you remember that? Hiscock. I don't know how high you were from all accounts and what the cops said. Now, they didn't put you on paper, but they said you were fucking high as a kite. <coughs> Remember that Chinese <coughs> balloon that flew over the country? They said you were higher than that. <coughs> fucking A, bro. <laughs> Congratulations. But anyway, the point is, she was 10. It was a school zone, and that, that bus drove by. They got you on camera lighting it up with her. 
Um, oh, you don't remember it? Okay, cool. We'll move on. Hey, stay healthy, okay? Get your get your cardio in. The downstairs kitty cat is not yours to have, okay? That's what the, that's what the, Yes. Yes. You know. If uh, you're oh. Aaron Rodgers, Bobby Kraft, you know. Bob, we got to talk. So I got a call from the Palm Beach Police Department. Apparently, they got you on camera. Um, I mean, the best... The best thing that I can say is uh, his cock jerk joint his cock. And I don't mean like not beef jerky, not beef jerky, like holding the dick. There's that lady. The room was dark. There was a mirror. There was a camera behind it. You know, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Boom. Out of here. can you believe that the, the only thing keeping us from ever seeing Bob Kraft get a handy is a checked box on a search warrant. We're in a control position. Until Boom. you didn't here. check the box and you got kicked out of court. For, for all of you who don't believe in Dumbass. God, for all of you who don't believe in God, explain to me how the cops didn't check that box on that search warrant. God, because I'm telling you right now, if you see Bob Kraft being serviced in a, in a parlor, you're never going to sleep. You are never going to sleep. No. It, no, you will look under the bed every night for Bob Kraft's washcloth. Like, mommy, mommy. <laughs> seriously, dude. Like, I don't need to see that. I do not need to see that. I, no, no. I don't need to. <laughs> Boyd Lake wants the, the raccoon Yeah, where's video. the, where, where, no, it's Boyd. You don't need to call Aaron Rodgers a raccoon. <laughs> Bob Kraft. <laughs> Put your hands up, sir. Who, me? I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I'm fried. Like, come on, bro. You got, we have exclusive video of Bob Kraft coming out of the park. <laughs> oh, fucking God. Bob, put your hands up, sir. We have a warrant. Suckmyass.com. Can you imagine being Bob Kraft? Because do you guys remember this story? He's going to Kansas City because the Patriots, Tommy, and the Patriots are in the AFC Championship game against the Chefs. He's on his way to the airport. <laughs> and Donald Trump and Bob Kraft are close friends. And Don was like, hey, have you been to the Jade Garden? I'm unfamiliar with it. Over there off a of greasy way in Palm Beach? I'm not too familiar with that. Damn place, you gotta go there. Stay hard. Two words, dude. Stormy Daniels. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you at the Jade Garden. Bob's like, okay, you know what? My jet's warming up on the on the runway. I'm about a 12 second dude. I'm gonna hop in, right? So he goes in there, gets his business, and he's Don't like, touch me there. That sir is my no no. Sir. No, he's like, please touch me there. Ma'am, that's Don't my touch me, touch me there. Yes, that's my no-no square. Please Don't touch me there. Right? That sir is my no-no square. So let me get this right, Bob. So everything's good. He gets his. She got hers. He gets into his Rolls Royce. He's driving away down the street. Woo! Woo! Me? <laughs> he's like, dude. I was not. The cop walks up and he's like, uh. 
Uh, hey, Bob, uh, do you know why you were no, called over? No, no, they're like, excuse me, sir. And Bob Kraft's like, hey, A, do you know who I am? And B, You're not that guy, pal, trust me. I You're was, not that guy. I was not speeding. I just came out of the parking lot. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah, we're, um, sir, we're not here to talk about your speeding. Uh, although, congratulations, that was a land speed record for jerk jobs. Uh, that, <laughs> and we can prove it because you're on tape. Uh-oh. What goes through Bob Kraft's mind besides wow a bullet? right now fucking a you just got caught in a parlor you're like standing in the room you're in a private room with the cops and your lawyer and they ro they roll the tape and bob's like i never did that that's nothing happened okay well it's funny you bring that up sir let me uh, open this laptop turn it around just go ahead and hit the space bar there bobby dude that's got to be the worst thing in the world dude <sighs> unless you're a billionaire and it just doesn't matter because you're never going to jail anyway nope I don't ever need to see that video of Bob Kraft. No, nope. ever, ever, never. Boyd Lake, horse teeth and trash pandas. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Uh, Jeff says, "Good thing Bobby Boyd didn't do this in Houston." Oh, cloth, yeah. th cloth, uh, washcloth receipt wow. didn't really work out. Deshaun, they're saying that you do something called a washcloth trick. No. What do you mean, no? I mean, the cops say you pull out this washcloth. I need to go home. And it barely covers your bar of soap. So we're going to, like, I, look, it's, I'm your lawyer, dude. I mean, can you tell me about the, the, I mean, a washcloth, really? That's all it takes? It's an own question. <laughs> You're Deshaun Watson. And she's like, would you like a towel? You're like, no, I brought my own. <laughs> and... Do you guys know this, that Deshaun Watson, the masseuses who sued him, say that he would allegedly would pull the washcloth trick. <laughs> um, could you, would you like a towel to cover that thing up? No, I brought one with me. It's fine. Can you do something for me? Like, didn't pull out a towel. He pulled out a washcloth. And I mean, is that you even know. like a table umbrella for a guy like that? Bro. Like, are you kidding me? Now, for a guy like me, it's going to cover up my entire, you know, like, it's no problem. Washcloth. I mean, this thing might as well be a Costco beach towel, right? Like, but for Sean Watson, like, I mean, I'm imagining, like, I'm a maid, like, I'm thinking, like, a Mai Tai umbrella, you know, one of those umbrellas. Like, dude, we can see the straw under the umbrella, sir. <laughs> <clears throat> Delaric. Boy, how did this show got off the rails quick? Uh, Bob goes to talk to my $100,000 per hour mouthpiece. Pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. She gets $100,000 an hour for being a mouthpiece. Okay. All right. Uh, you know. Anyway, so the point is, we were talking NFL quarterbacks, and somehow we wound up on <laughs> Until one of us passes the fuck oh, out. Seriously. And then there is the Sam Frogs Disco 49ers. Oh, Purdy. So they believe that Brock Purdy will be ready to go for opening opening game. Week uh, one in the NFL season. Right. After having a partially torn ulnar collateral ligament, which is the throwing ligament in your elbow. He's throwing already. He's in a throwing program. Right. Now, I know this is surprising. They asked John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, hey, how did he look? And Kyle Shanahan's like, terrible. No. They're like, oh, he looks amazing. We're ready to go. There's a no chance he's going to be ready. Let's be honest. Brock Purdy had 
what amounts to reconstructive elbow surgery, right? At the minimum, they opened up his elbow capsule and fixed a ligament. That's like six months. So your backups are gimpy ankle Trey Lance and washout Sam Darnold. So I said, yeah. So very clearly, Sam Darnold's your backup plan for Brock Purdy. Right. But should, and again, the San, the San Francisco 49ers are a Super Bowl caliber football club. There's no question about that, right? None of us. Yeah, I agree. Nobody disputes that. Shouldn't you give Trey Lance a shot? And he was terrible before the whole your ankle doesn't bend that way thing. Before he broke his leg. (laughs) And then Brock Purdy was born. But you can't have the same mistake happen again. So there's some theory out there that it's one of two things. They're done with Trey Lance and they can say, well, he's coming off of a severe leg injury. He'll be our third quarterback, emergency quarterback. Sam will be the the backup. Brock Purdy will be the number one. And if Brock's not ready to go, everybody gets bumped up one. Because don't forget, now you get the extra fourth guy who's a ghost, essentially, unless everybody else gets hurt. Or is it that, hey, they're just botching this thing and Sam Darnold, who, who actually, let's be honest, he's not a terrible quarterback. Yeah. He was, in my opinion, in terrible situations, Jets and Panthers. It's not like he's Chaboy, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, they're both mid. Right? They're both. But Sam Darnold's a better, more serviceable quarterback. But at what point now do you just say, fuck it, we're done with Trey Lance? Because he costs them almost no money. Right. Right? He, he got his signing bonus. That money's, that money's gone. But you're never picking up an option on him. Hell no. He costs you almost nothing on your cap now. There's no real money being paid to him. So there, the other theory is they're just hanging on to him because he doesn't cost anything. And after what happened last year, they need some warm bodies in the morgue. I agree. You I, think I, that's I what it is? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, the guy has no value to you. He, he hasn't, you know, again, injury, totally get it. But before that... He just wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. And and the problem is, is I think if you have any semblance of a soul about you in a football organization, you at least have to say to yourself, okay, what's been this guy's path? Because we drafted a cat, and it was our mistake, right? We shouldn't have you drafted did. him where we did, but we drafted him and put him in this situation, and then he got hurt. So whose fault really is it? And so I'm not saying they should believe that this guy is somehow going to turn into some MVP candidate, but what I am saying is that is that if Purdy blows his elbow up this year because you rushed him back, then Sam gets hurt, you, you're going to well, need a body. And well, and by the way, you know, what, 18 games or whatever it is now, 17 games? That's a lot of football, bro. It's a that, lot of football. That's a long season, dude. So to me, to your point, I'm more, I'm more along the lines of doesn't cost us much. We put him in this position. Let's just keep him going. Man, his statistics... Are trash. Jesus. They're terrible. What's his completion percentage? What's what's it say right there? Career 54.9. Right? Like, but again, he's only started four games. Oh, I can't. Dude, it hurts me to even look. That or worse, Bob Kraft tape, Trey Lance stats. Anyway, the point is. (laughs) (laughs) The point is. 
I think they're just keeping him because he costs almost nothing. That's right, T. There's no cash going to him, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And Sam Darnold's as good as you're going to get as a backup in this league. And I think they believe in Brock Purdy, and he clearly has earned the job after what he's done. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah, I agree with the logic completely. And yeah. then there's the question of what the hell are the San Diego Wales vagina chargers who, for some reason, rent somebody else's stadium in Los you Angeles? fucking donkey. Because my guy deserves to get paid. Mommy needs new Gucci boots. Anyway, uh, Justin Herbert is just chilling. <coughs> Waiting for a contract extension. That still has not been paid. The ink isn't dry yet. And I'll just keep saying, and every time one of these comes up, I'm just going to use one guy's name that should hurt deep in your heart. And his name is Gordon Hayward. Because every time you allow somebody to go out and see just how attractive <laughs> they really are, you're, you're asking for trouble, dude. And this is a cat who, when you want to talk, you want to be aroused, go look at Justin Herbert's statistics. Yeah, he completes 68% of his passes for his career. Uh, last year, uh, he had a down year. He only threw for 4,700 yards. I'm a fucking unit. 25 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Like, do you guys understand? This guy had 228 passing first downs left. I'm going to say this again. Two in. That's a down year. I and want you to listen to me. 228 first downs thrown last year. Yeah. Like, by any stretch, he's a top 10 MVP guy. He is, I think, him and Smoke and Joe are the two best young QBs in the league. Of course. He has not been a problem. Joseph Lee Burrow. Like, what are we doing? Why have we not extended Justin Herbert yet? Because I, I don't understand it. Because they're going to put it off as long as they can, right? It's He's got one more year left on his rookie deal. But they've been trying to get it done, and they clearly are trying to lower his balls. Like, they're lowballing this dude. Uh -huh. They're trying to get him to take either less years or less money. And if I'm Justin Haybear, the absolute original sex machine, the. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm not taking a penny less because he's the franchise. You've got, like, a three-foot-tall running back. <laughs> You all your your wide receivers are hurt all the time. Like, are you got the guy plays through cracked ribs and a bum shoulder, torn labrum in his shoulder? He didn't complain or miss a game. And this is the guy. Like, this is the guy that you're trying to squeeze. You know, this isn't the guy you try to squeeze. This is a guy you pay. Yeah. You could pay him. Five billion dollars and people will be like, all right, cool, dude. Hey, yeah. congratulations on getting him under contract. Like, nobody cares how much you pay him. Yeah. But why haven't you paid him? Because you're cheap. I've been a rich man and I have been a poor man. And you have screwed many players multiple times. Because you are the you are in in forever and ever, you're the San Diego Chargers. Yes. That's who you are, dude. Yes. I don't care if you play in L.A. and because rent the Rams house. Like, I don't care. You're the San Diego Chargers. And you don't want to pay your quarterbacks. Facts. This is... And then you're going to bitch about not winning. This is Dan Fouts, but better. 
and you don't want to pay this guy. He he completely made everybody forget about the Ryan Leaf experiment. That's right, T. He completely made everybody forget about how shitty you were to Drew Brees. Right? He made you forget about all the bad quarterback stuff you've done. Oh, and you've done bad things to quarterbacks. Bad things. But Justin Herbert's just come in and on his career, he completes 67% of his passes. But you're forgetting about Phil Rivers, dude. Come on. Who finished his career in Indianapolis. He's thrown for 14,000 yards in three seasons. Yeah, dude. I thought you said in three seasons. Like, do you? Yeah. And this is, this is what we do. The rookie of the year. You are bad at footballing. The pro bowler, the top 10 MVP guy. Who would probably already be an MVP in a better organization. And I would just simply remind you, I would, I would simply remind you that Homie Cat started 17 games last year. All 17 of them. And I'd also remind you, I'd also remind you that he's playing with Austin Eckler and that he is playing, you know, with with flipping Josh Palmer and Keenan Allen and Gerald Everett, but right? Like still you know, put up forty seven hundred yards. I think you said. You know, he's not he's not playing with Travis Kelsey or, you know, Tyreek Hill. He's not playing with the the best wide receiver. He clearly doesn't have. <laughs> Doesn't have the best offensive line. No. No, no, he doesn't. But he's got Dicker the kicker. Dicker the kicker. Right? And you went through three kickers last year. Well, but he's playing with Devontae, isn't he? No. Oh, that's right. No, but he played, Justin Herbert played 17 games. That's but, right. I mean, who who are we, who are we, you know, to, to, to remember that your number one player, Austin Eckler, you almost let him go. You almost let him go. And, you know. But wait, he's got T. Higgins or Jamar Chase, right? No. No. Nope. You guys, oh. went, but they went out and got Odell Beckham Jr. Oh. No, he plays for the Ravens now. You know, like you don't have, do you guys understand that you do not have Top wide receiver talent. Wait, so he, but he plays with McCall Hardman or Alan Lazard, right? Or Randall Cobb. Nope. And I would remind you, I would remind you, there was one, one, one guy who led this team last year from the quarterback position. And it was Justin Herbert. You don't want to pay him. And the other guy who played 17 games was Austin Eckler, and you didn't want to pay him either. I, I, it's, it's going to end poorly. We, yep. you know it. I know it. He deserves better. You know it. It just is what it is. Tom says Herbert will get his bag. Keenan Allen is legit when he plays. Yeah. Him and uh, street clothes have a lot in common. Don't Keenan they? Keenan Allen played 10 games. And this, mm. again, I, as a Justin Herbert, obsessive, compulsive stalker, of course, I understand Keenan Allen's value. How many times am I going to say he played 10 games last year? The year before, 2021, played 16 games, 1,138 yards. Career year for Justin Herbert. Huh. 
career year. I wonder how that works. Year before that, he played 13 games. Like, he when he plays, Dude, he's great. put gas in the Ferrari, bro. Go and get their... Oh. You had opportunities. And I'm not even a Chargers fan. I just feel bad for Buddy. I honestly want I them feel to... Bad I feel bad for Buddy. I want Justin Herbert to not accept it and go out and get it. I feel bad. Go to another organization. For Buddy. I do. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, and and by the way, I know you went and got Quentin Johnston. Ooh. Who I don't think is an NFL starter. But we'll see. We'll see. I know. I know. Mike Williams, pretty good as well. Doesn't play. God. <laughs> so let me ask you guys. If Mike Williams was your guy. <coughs> I mean, you would be excited, right? If Mike Williams was your... Oh, Mike Williams. Mike Williams played 13 games last year. 93 targets, 63 catches. Right? Catch percentage, 67%. Mm. 13 games. Missed four games last year. You need, you need like legitimate wide receivers. You need legitimate running backs. Well, why would you do that when you can just profit the whole time? I'm telling you guys, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. But if you if you look at their that team was built on Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler last year. That's it. In God's name, image, and likeness. That's it. Josh Palmer. Praying, dude. And Josh Palmer had a decent but not a starter. He proved he, he's not he's not what a starter, mean, dude. Like go, like dude, he's not needs a starter. Organization, dude needs to be dude, in an organization. Riley, and get paid. Riley, I don't get it, dude. Explain it at some point. Like that or stop putting by the way in there. Nobody knows what that means. Uh, Boyd Lake, uh, I like watching Mac and KVN on defense. Yeah, Calvin Oy can still play. Yeah, dude. I'm never gonna complain about their defense. I mean, their defense. But that's why it's such a travesty. Because you have a defense. Not everybody has one. Yeah, they're deep. And if Derwin James could stay healthy, that would also but, yeah. help a lot. But if you if you look at their if you look at their defense, their defense is good, dude. Like I like it a lot. Khalil Mack leaves the Bears, and what do you know? Magically he's healthy. <laughs> Eight sacks. So I that's great. Imagine only having to sack the quarterback eight to ten times to be like elite. Drew Tranquil, Derwin James is a stud. He just can never stay healthy. Yeah. He can never stay healthy. Uh, let's see. Cougar tracks. Uh, late to the party. Did I miss anything? Nothing. Not uh, really. Nothing. Not uh, really. Mike Maple says Williams isn't Des Bryant, but he'll do. How did Des Bryant never catch back on? Just was he only Dallas good? Yeah. I think he was probably only Dallas good. Yeah. No, only Dallas good. C. Kaufman, he puts that in the chat every time Monty says, by the way. Oh, is that what that is? Okay. Why, but why spell it like W-H-E-Y? Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. And I, why is that funny? Yeah, I'm trying to understand it. I don't, I don't get it. Boyd Lake, I heard Brett Yormark was going to extend offers to UConn and San Diego State if Colorado and Arizona don't pull the trigger. He that might. could be. He might. Will we have an answer by Big 12 Football Media Days? Because we're going to be there. It's going to be amazing. 
Big 12 Football Media Day, July 12th and 13th, presented by BladeHQ.com. Go check them out. Outdoor gear, every kind of blade you can imagine. Knives, pocket knives, personal protection devices. Love it. Quality product, man. Yeah. Local company in Utah. Good people. Loved, love talking to them. It's been great to meet them. BladeHQ.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Um, I don't know if we'll have answers, closure, expansion by July 12th and 13th. I do know that we are going to play the Dallas Cowboys golf course. Yes. Do you guys know this? In Boyd Lake, I think you're in Texas. Well, I know you're in Texas. There's a for all of our Texas contingent. Texas. Texas. You guys understand that the Dallas Cowboys have their own golf club. It is $244 per player. How is that even possible? All your food and drink is included. All of your range and warm-up time is included. Your cart is included. Do you travel your clubs or do you rent them? That is the question. Because you get a full bag from the Dallas Cowboys Golf Club for $108. Every club, a premium, and the lady on the phone stressed. And you get a glove, and it's a premium leather glove. Guys, 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 guys. I was like, oh, it's a premium leather glove. Well. Hey, so real quick, um, you know, when you rent the clubs, by the way, you get a premium leather glove. Yeah. You get a premium leather glove. And you get two sleeves of golf balls. That I'll promptly lose in like three holes. So if it's 244, you're looking at 352 plus tax per person. <laughs> worth it? Not worth it? Worth I mean, it once. Worth it once. It's the Dallas Cowboys. And how often do we get to go to Dallas? Not nearly enough. We love all of you guys in Dallas. I know we have a ton of listeners in Dallas. But is three, let's call $360. Is, what is that times two? 720? I don't, dude, bro. Like, is $720 for a late afternoon round of golf worth it? That is a like, That's a dude. lot of bread, dude. That's a lot of bread. Yeah. Please donate. Um, is it worth it to go to the Dallas Cowboys exclusive golf club? Now the dinner is supposedly worth it. The dinner is supposedly worth it because the food there is, is supposed to be amazing. They have great, they have a great display. Like all of their Lombardi trophies that other owners won are on display there. And Jarrah's got trophies too. We get it. Please. Um, but the point is. Is it worth it? And everybody that left reviews say they always run into Dallas Cowboy players there. I'm sure apparently they do. the Cowboys play there a lot. Yeah. It is a tax deduction. That doesn't change the fact that seven twenty fucking dollars per person. Yeah. Uh, for for us, it's three sixty seven twenty total. I have been a rich man, and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every fucking time. I think you have to do it. Just once. I think you Just have to time. do it. Yes, one Mike Smith. See, Mike makes a great point. Done. Premium leather gloves are better than budget latex gloves. You are not wrong, sir. You are <laughs> not wrong. That's a lot of bread, dude. Yeah, For I a have, round of golf. I, I have to say on this whole Riley situation, I'm kind of disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Riley what? The whole by the way thing is like, 
Like, make the show better. What, like... Yeah, I'm, like, I'm I don't understand it, the way dude. thing. Like, so apparently I must say, by the way, a lot. Okay, great. You pointed it out. Can we move on now? Yeah, like, make like, the show better, that. bro. Cougar Track says leather, leather. Yeah, it's the premium leather gloves. Boyd Lake says I'm, I'm down near Austin. Ooh. Austin. How's, how's Texas going to be this year? Um, Willie Wilson says, by the way, Arizona is in mountain time. By the way, <laughs> you know, uh, Jeff Wadsworth, golf in Alaska is 24 hours a day in the summer. That would be amazing. Damn. Amazing. Uh, yes, Capazzo, business right off. What's up? And the Jeezy. Are you guys going to be melting ice on the pavement, St. George? Go to Super Chicks, man. Go to Super Chicks yeah. and the Jeezy, bro. Our guys at uh, Super Chicks in uh, St. George, we love you. Also in Ogden on Riverdale Road. Uh, St. George is going to get hot. Hot. Yeah. Like hundreds hot. I need to get to Mesquite to golf. This winter, we got to go down to Mesquite and golf. Yep. Have to do it. Because I can't go an entire winter without golf. Yeah. I mean, Mesquite allegedly has awesome golf. Never sure. been, but allegedly. Got to yeah, go there. Amazing. Got to go there. Amazing. Uh, Ron Nolan says, hell yes. That's a great price. No headaches. All insured. Do it. Do it. Should do it. Should do it. Absolutely should do it. No doubt. Weigh the buy. I mean, you could weigh the, the buy. You could. By the way, I mean, W-E-I-G-H. You could do that. You know. Ruff's official says, uh, LOL, they can't deal with any ball busting. I don't fucking know what it means. So busting, like if it was ball busting, okay. I don't know what it means. Ball busting is ball busting me over the fact that I, uh, like two years ago now, said that the Timberwolves were in the East. That's ball busting. Yeah, that's ball busting. That like, makes the show better. That's funny. Like, it's a good time. But just repeatedly commenting, by the way, does nothing. It doesn't make the show better. In my opinion, it's not funny. Like, like screenshotting all the timestamps that you're keeping record of in the comments section is not funny. Yeah, I don't get that. I don't, I don't like, get it. Uh, Mike Smith says, weigh the way and then buy it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Um, Louis Capazzo. Capazzo in the Jeezy. Jake, I'm fat, P-H-A-T. You are not fat. Uh, I can't eat at Super Chicks. And what is wrong with golf courses in the Jeezy? Nothing. Nothing. They're amazing, They're amazing, dude. Yeah. No, what we were saying is that we wanted to go golfing this winter in the Jeezy. Yeah. Or like in the fall, technically. Like... Go down there, play it, play around in the Jeezy, play around in Mesquite, go down to the wind and play around. Like, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Like, to me, that's fun. But speaking of fat, how about this situation with um, Jack in the Box? Dude, this is ridiculous. I don't, this is weird to me. This is weird to me. Uh, so are we obsessed with fast food in this country? I would tell you there was a day in my life where I ate fast food Every day, sometimes twice a day. Now I almost, I, I almost never eat it. Right. My most fast food is Super Chicks, to be honest with you. And that's once a week. Like, I might eat Jersey Mike's once a week to go with that. But, like, last night, Mrs. Monty and I had bought grapes at Costco. So, for dinner, I, we, I divined all those grapes, pulled them off the vines, put them in Tupperware... And I had some grapes for dinner last night, basically. Um, you know, like stuff like that to me is, 
I love the way that tastes. Like she, Mrs. Monty made, our anniversary was Friday. She made Italian tacos. Dude. Where's were, the Italian? They were so good. I played golf on Saturday up at Canyons. Came home and had leftover, like spicy Italian sausage. And she made this onion, pepper, mushroom, mozzarella mix thing. Oh, my God. You combine those two, dude, that was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And that, to me, is so much better than Jack in the Box, which, don't get me wrong, a number six at Jack in the Box is orgasmic. I'm not waiting in a line around the block. So the new, did you guys see this in Salt Lake City? The new Jack in the Box open. And it is quite literally a line around the building. Look at this line around the building at Jack in the Box. Around the block, rather, at Jack in the Box. Look how far this line of cars is to get Jack in the Box. What are we doing? Hey, you really have, this has got to be hours long. Yeah. Tell me this is not hours long. It has to be at least two hours long, yeah. And we did this for Raising Canes in South Jordan. It completely screwed up traffic on the parkway for months. And this is going to happen for months. Yep. This is going to be one of those things that for months to come, a line of traffic like this is going to be out and down the street. Yep. And I'm trying to figure out why would we as, as humans wait in lines like this for a fast food burger? I don't get it. Am I am I crazy for thinking this way? No, I don't. I don't think you're crazy at all. What I think is crazy is these people are just sitting here. And look how and long the line of traffic sitting. is. They're sitting in the turn lane for the signal. So just to get Jack in the box. So if dude. you're the guy that's that's not interested in Jack in the box, and you just want to turn right at the signal, now you have to make. You know, it's crazy. A lane change that's not how it's supposed to work. Or you're, yeah, you're going to have to be in the middle lane and then turn right, which is it's not great. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't get that. I like Jack in the Box. I am not waiting. If there, dude, if there's four or five cars in line, I'm like, damn, dude, I guess we'll have to come back. I could never imagine sitting in that line. No, I, I it's could just not. It's not worth it. I, and, and that's the thing that I struggle with. It's like, like with Canes, I'm not even a Canes guy. Canes is trash compared Canes, to Super Canes Chase, is dude. frozen chicken yeah. dropped in a fryer. Yeah, I'm like, not about it, that. The chicken thing, that's a whole different conversation. Like, when you go to Super Chicks, you get, like, a full chicken breast, never frozen, always fresh, like, fresh produce, fresh cut fries, like, the whole nine. When you go to a place like Canes, it quite literally is frozen everything dropped in a deep fryer. Yeah, it's terrible. I, I, and, and people are waiting in lines down the block for that shit. Because it's garbage. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. And Chick-fil-A too, Boyd Lake. Boyd Lake says, looks yeah, like Chick-fil-A here in Texas. Same Darn deal. right. Same deal, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can't even imagine that. Uh, Mike Smith, I like that super long line of people waiting for Jack in the Box. It helps isolate all the dumbasses in one location. Hey, you're not wrong, bro. You are yeah, not yeah, wrong, bro. Tanner, Jack in the Box is not your everyday fast food joint. It's in a class of their own. I don't I'm, even disagree. It's really good. I don't disagree. That doesn't mean I'm waiting hours for it, bro. I am not waiting hours for Jack in the Box. Saul Goodman, there's plenty of Jack in Houston. They can come here. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, mm. Saul also says Snoop Dogg Jack in the Box. 
That's what I'm saying. I guess. Um, seven greater than six at Jack and, and in general. Jake's a seven guy. Yeah. You, you, you're totally a seven guy. Um, wait, what now? Give me anything other than lab grown chicken. Yeah. I don't know about any of that, man. Uh, my lab grown chicken. Uh, does it get me one way coupon to the Titanic? It does. In a van down by the river. It does. Maury Alvarez, sorry, I don't like Jack on the Crack. If I want runs from a taco, I will go to Taco Bell. See, but, See, ta- but tacos at Jack, runs, don't give me the dude. runs. That's my problem. I, I mean, we can sit here and, and look, if you're looking for, you know, really cheap fast food, it's tough to beat Jack. Yeah. If you're looking for a quality meal, I'm not going to Jack in the Box. Oh, going to Super Chicks. Big difference. Not in the same class, right? So, yeah. I'm just. Mm. I'm just Hours, bro. Yeah. I think we are as a society. I think we are. I think we are. Come on, man. Monty's the Monty way with a picture of whey protein. I don't go anywhere if I have to spend more on gas idling <laughs> my car than food costs. The Monty way. You know. Uh, lazy mofos may be cooked. Good Lord. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, dude. You know. Seacop and I never eat at Jack in the Box. You don't? Once a month, bro. Oh, it's, it's good. It's so, mm, dude. The mini taco box? Oh, oh it's cash. Boner. Um, I'm sorry. Did you just say boner? Hiscock. 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 Stay hard. Am I wrong? Uh, you guys have to understand for years, people here in Utah have been waiting for the Jack in the Box, including me. Yes, I would be willing to wait for hours. Oh, please. Come you on, dude. Not. You would not. Willing to wait hours for Jack, but won't come to the RSL game. I Willie Wilson, it build it and they will come. Never fails. They still have long lines at Whataburger. Yeah. Whataburger is legit. Yeah. Legit. C. Coppin says, we don't have one where we live. Where do you live? Out in the yonder. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. All right, real quick before we get out of here, a couple other things. I, I want to talk about this. Can I ask you guys about the sub? Oh, boy. They're dead. Can we just leave it at they're dead? No. So, first of all, if you don't know the story of the Titanic sub and how it ended, it ended like two hours into the voyage. The Navy, I guess, monitors sound in the ocean, picked up sound and wave event that describe an implosion, to which the Navy immediately turned around and notified the sub company. And people are pissed because they didn't release the information to the public right away. But it's not like they kept it a secret. So let's not rip the U.S. Navy. Because if that was your family in the sub, you'd want them to keep searching, right? So, well, yeah, we think we heard a noise. It could have been an implosion. Fuck it. We'll just stop looking. They're all dead. I know, reset. When they had a bunch more oxygen hours left. Yeah. And then they sent another unmanned submersible down and found the wreckage 1,600 feet off the Titanic. Yeah. First of all. Second of all, why does everything have to be a conspiracy theory? Can anybody help me with this? Can anybody help me with this? Infowars.com. This idea 
by all these freaky dudes in this world who are like, well, they wanted to kill themselves and fake their deaths so they could go on with their money. <laughs> so the guy from India, you think, took his son for Father's Day, faked his death, and now they're on the run. The richest family in Pakistan, I believe it was, excuse me, not India. The richest family in Pakistan, the entire country, billionaire. You think he took his kid and he ran to be anonymous with his money. Oh, what are you talking about, man? The other guy that faked his death, the, the adventurer, the pilot, the, who had tons of plans, full calendar for the next two years, faked his death. The oceanographer, the scientist, and the, you know, the explorer that died with them. The ocean expert. You think he killed himself? He wasn't rich. Why does everything have to be a conspiracy theory? Why can't we just say, well, you know, they trusted this fucking idiot who built this thing. It was clearly a problem because like tons of people said, no thanks, I'm not getting on that thing. The dudes who did get on it died when it imploded because it was allegedly poorly constructed. And he said NASA and Boeing helped him you know, engineer it. And they both said, oh, no, that didn't happen. And he allegedly used carbon fiber that was used by Boeing. So he used, used carbon fiber in his construction. And the second thing is, other than the conspiracy theorists, how many more stupid people are going to die at, near, or around the Titanic? So let me get this right. The Titanic sank because you're dumb. Like you, you hit an iceberg in an area. I know it's crazy. You sank on an iceberg in an iceberg area. After multiple warnings about not going into that space. You went anyways and oh, what do you know? You're all dead. And then people find, it took 75 years to find that thing. 75 years to find that thing. They find it. And now you thought you were going to be the only one who could dive down all those miles for 12 hours in your little submersible rocket ship. Um, and you were going to survive. Um, um, you think you thought, I'm, bro, you didn't think that this was the light. I, even, okay, well, you know, there's risks and everything. Okay, I could die taking a shit. I totally get that. It's not likely. The difference is you and your little submersible Hot Wheels car that you, know. you threw down to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, that's likely you're going to die. Yeah, that's uh, your casket there, Slick. You're down there. You're going to die. Right where all the other people on the Titanic died. 0 for 2. Dumbasses are 0 for 2. So there's no conspiracy theory. There's no mystery. Stupid people doing stupid things. Oh dear. Oh my. Died. And the only thing I can say about the submersible guys is thank God it was quick. Yeah. Because it quite literally is, hey, did you guys hear that? And that's the last thing that went through your mind. Because in those implosions, have you guys seen the reenactments of the implosions? They did a on... Train cars. MSNBC. No, no. They did one on MSNBC, an animation. It would be less than, I mean, 
less than a millisecond, you would, you're dead. Yeah. It implodes and you are crushed instantly to the point where there is no body part left. Yeah. The force is so unimaginable in the container inside. Yeah, because you have to remember the, the pressure of the ocean is immense. And you weren't even, Man. What, what is it, 600 feet I think this happened at? You weren't even 1,000 feet down yet? like, Dude, it's crazy. Um, what stupid thing did Ruff's officials say? They heard the implosion but didn't approve an ROV for three days. Uh, one, it couldn't get there for three days. And then when the ROV get there, got there, it didn't have the proper equipment set up. So they had to wait for equipment to come from the mainland. Uh, they, they could have confirmed it day one. No, actually, they couldn't have confirmed it day one because the only way to confirm it is to go down and look at the seafloor and find the debris field. Which, by the way, what did they do? Oh, that's right. They went down to the seafloor. Waves in opposition. And found the debris field. And then what happened? Oh, that's right. They instantly told people, hey, yeah, we found a debris field. It's over. But spent three days searching. By the way, by the way, they also have to go down. It's not that they just have to go down because they don't know exactly where. It, they know where they track the sound. But it had to fall down. And, and I know, Ruffs, you know fucking everything. But on the ocean floor, there's no current and there's no light. And it's 32 and a half degrees or was. So it's pitch black. You have to find the waypoint and then your rover has to move around. And they were 1600 feet away from the, the Titanic. You think that happens in five minutes? Do you think that happens in five minutes? What did they say the Titanic took three hours to fall? Something like that. Uh, Th think about how long it took this craft to fall once it imploded. Dude, it was not, it, it take, do you know, you're looking for a needle in a haystack. Do you know how difficult that is to find that? Like they, it, they could have confirmed it day one. No, they could not have. Not, not a chance. They confirmed the sound was in the right space in the right time and immediately relayed it to Ocean's Gate. And that's when everybody was like, oh, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. So you, because you can't see it and because you can't put stuff in the water because, well, shit implodes and you don't have the equipment on hand, I would also remind you there's travel time which is why they showed all the data and all the mapping of the ships that were coming into the area. You couldn't have confirmed it day one. You have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea what you're talking about. Boyd says milliseconds and your body is vaporized. It's wild to think about, dude. It's crazy. You, you, they, they describe it as, hey, you would hear maybe a tick or a, a sound and you'd be like, and then it's over. You have no idea what you, you will never have known. You're just dead. It's unbelievable. Avatar people could go that deep, but no, they weren't called avatar people. <laughs> you mean like James Cameron who said, who came out publicly and ripped the whole endeavor? Yeah. You mean that James Cameron? <laughs> avatar people? 
Yeah, it's a sad thing, man. It is. Every, uh, the yeah. thing that bothers me is everybody thinks, oh, the Navy fucked it up and they lied. It's all in black and white. All the communications, the timeline, like the Navy, as soon as they got the notification from the, the signal equipment, relayed it. And as soon as it was relayed to the sub company, the sub company held it for about 90 minutes and then put a warning out and said, hey, we're in trouble, we need help. And then everybody came rushing in. And it takes time to get the, the, the under what the, the seafloor rover that they sent down there. Do you guys, A, do you know how big that thing is? It's massive, number one. Number two, do you know how expensive that thing is? Number three, there's about, I think there's five total people on the planet who can operate the thing. Five who can operate it. And then you got to get it down there and then you got to get it running and then you got to get it finding. Yeah. You're not doing that in one day. What are you, what are you talking about? Like that's, that, that kind of logic and that kind of thinking is why our country is screwed into the ground. Like it's so bad for us that everybody's wrong all the time, no matter what the decision is. You're, uh, no, they're wrong. The Navy sucks. The company sucks. The government's hiding. Like, we got to stop doing that. We got to stop doing it. Mike Smith, the rumor is the Navy is contacting the village people to create a song for better public relations. I believe that's exactly <laughs> true. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and by the way, I'll just go back to, hey, if that was your family, do you want them to immediately stop looking? It, so, so your family's on that sub. And the Navy's like, yeah, hey, we uh, detected what could have been a possible uh, implosion. It's a, it, it's a possible Im implosion. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. We're going to stop looking. You'd be like, oh, okay. All right, yeah, I don't want to cause a conspiracy theory with, you know, these uh, Ruff's official. He'd get upset if we kept looking for our loved ones. No, you would keep looking. And... <laughs> Because what if it wasn't an implosion? You don't know it's an implosion. You know it's a sound in the right space in the right time. Right? You, you have some signal. So we're just going to leave it all there. Nah, screw it. Yeah, they're dead. Yeah. Jake, they're dead. Yeah, they're, they're dead, dude. Yeah, yeah not going to look for them. I mean, never mind they have 70 hours of oxygen. If it wasn't an implosion, they're down there. They have, And never mind we were hearing tapping every 30 minutes. Probably the parts hitting the bottom of the ocean. And that's what I'm thinking. They're dead. Let's just fucking yeah. leave them there. You know. Unplug the ROV. Bring it back. <laughs> yeah, bring it back. Roll the music. Sorry to disappoint you. There's no conspiracy theory. Yes, Maury. I hate that we're all so polarized as a country that everything's a conspiracy. They're just dead. Yeah. They're just dead. You guys, thank you for watching the show. We appreciate you. Love you. Take some time to tell somebody you love them tonight. Your wife, your mom, your dad, your, your son, your brother, your, your sister, your best friend. Tell them you love them. The Monty Show is always presented by The Advocates. TheAdvocates.com. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.